There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, February 12th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Starting out of focus. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me. I've got an outstanding show planned for you today, a very focused, specific show, as you can see by the title. We're going to, I had actually a lot, a lot, a lot that I had put off, a lot, you know, look, Things very relevant to today that I put off until tomorrow or the next show that we do because I had to focus just on this because of how much this seems to be relevant to the larger conversation, both because of the conversations around SARS, uh, the original discussion of SARS-CoV-2 and then also what we're seeing now very clearly connected to the injection, whether you want to call it something or you know the, whatever you want to call it. We are witnessing a dysregulation of the immune system, which we can see proven by the scientific studies. Now, whether that's specifically, uh, you know, VADES, essentially, is what we're talking about today, it, it, it's the name, I think, that's getting people a little resistant, even those within certain communities that might be accepting that we're in a bad situation here. I think what we need to recognize, first of all, is that the science has been very clear that peer-reviewed and otherwise, by the way, that's showing that this is having an effect on the immune system. We can see their own studies that show the waning of this, the the production of the antibodies right away. Now, understand, like, that's not the injection failing. The injection's triggering the response. Your body's immune system is no longer creating the situation that it was primed to do. That's a problem. It gets worse with the other shots. This all is very relevant to what we're going to talk about today, whether or not this is exactly this term we're discussing or whether or not it's something else or whether or not neither of them, AIDS, VADES, any of it is what we think it is. That's an important thing to take away from this. I'm standing back to be, I'm starting to wonder whether or not both of these things are 
situations that were created caused by the treatments of the situations on either side of this conversation. Certainly something we should ask ourselves. But there's all the conversation of the creation, the bioweb and the lab leak. There's also very interesting conversations on that side of it. The four inserts discussed in multiple studies. What does that mean? How does that connect with the injection conversation? And we'll get into all of this today and focus just on this alone. And I think this is such an important conversation because of what we are watching happen to people. And I, I don't want to, I don't want us to make, I see this connected to a lot of other things going on. Just my gut, my perception based on the research, antibody dependent enhancement. And again, whether these are names that are given to it because it associates with something we understand from before, or whether it is something else is something we have to ask ourselves. We are watching these in every way, science, real world examples, observation, verified that this is something that's happening. I mean, let's not forget the, the peer reviewed study came coming out in December 2020, peer reviewed in March 2021, that says unequivocally, there is antibody dependent enhancement that's happening because of these injections. And until we tell people that we're not meeting informed consent. I'm not going to go over that again today. I've shown it a hundred times, but that's peer reviewed. No one's even dismissed that. They pretend like it's not even there. These are valid conversations, especially because of what Luke Montagnier was really focused on right before he passed away or whatever ultimately happened. And I think that's an interesting tie there about what this is actually doing to people. Now, let's jump into this and go through this. I'm going to do my best to go through this in a, in a, uh, in a, in the day in order of dates, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name in, in order of the, the, the sequential order. Why am I forgetting the term? And we're going to go over these in, in the time frame of which they were presented. And we're going to try to do this in, in a, in a, or in that order, because it's important to see how this has developed from before 2020 into 2020 and all the way until today. Now there'll be a little jumbling around based on why it's, when it's relevant to connect two points and so on, but we're going to start with going back well, actually, well, first of all, it's, oh, I, I forgot I wanted to shout these things out before we got started. Just so you guys, if you haven't seen them, I got a really great shout out from James Corbett and James Evan Pilato on New World next week about both this discussion, COVID vaccine, COVID slash vaccine slash HIV connection, which is basically what we're doing today, but a much deeper dive. And by the way, I could have gone a hell of a lot deeper than I did today. I just think it's really important that we keep this in a, you know, a reasonably digestible grouping as opposed to five hours of deep, deep research. But this one, as well as this one, which was touching on the four HIV inserts. Now, both of these went a little deeper than the other, and we continue to focus on the history and how it seems like it's being covered up today, or rather that they're trying to create the justification for new actions. We're going to end today with a great article by uh, uh, Kit Knightley off Guardian, continuing to knock them out of the park, and exactly what I'm thinking. So we're going to end with that and show you what she's thinking as well. But also to show you, you might not have known that Luke Montagnier did, did in fact die. Now, of course, he's an old, he was an old man. So it's it's just as likely, I shouldn't say frame it like that, but it's it's possible that he passed away from natural causes as, and it's possible that somebody did something to him. I know that if you're immediately resistant to that kind of idea, I, 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 you're not thinking critically today, especially with how much your government has openly been capable of and openly continues to do to other people around the world. The point being is that if there was a powerful person in a position where this person's con discussions and facts and research was about to undermine their billions of dollars of profit or however you want to look at it, let's not pretend like somebody like this would not be taken action against or however you want to look at it. But the point is this man was in the midst of multiple efforts. He was about to testify. He was going to come out and talk about everything we're discussing today in regard to, the, to, to what he thought was a bioweapon 
in regard to the HIV inserts, in regard to what he was focused on, which is what I said. Apparently, his, his whole thing was about to be focused on antibody-dependent enhancement. Now, I believe these things are connected, and that's why I say that. But to start off with that, we're going back all the way. Some of these, just briefly, you've seen from the last discussions we had, if you watch those videos. We'll start off all the way back at July 18, 2014, remembering flight MH17. Right, all the weird conspiracies and conversations around all of that, and I think it's interestingly relevant and might be totally not connected, that 100 different researchers might have been on the flight which were going to an AIDS conference. And it turns out that one of the most highly regarded AIDS researchers who would have been able to put a lot of insight into what's happening today, he was on that plane. Now, there's a lot of weird correlations like that throughout history where people that were incredibly important to what, what ultimately ended up happening and which turned out to be a government agenda looking back were weirdly taken out in certain situations like 9-11 with like his name was Power. This happens a lot throughout history. But we need to think about that, especially as we go into everything else we're going to talk about, and you'll begin to see how very obvious this all is. Now, sadly, starting off with these pieces of information will probably scare away the people that might have been on the fence, but so be it, because this is conspiracy theory to a lot of people before we get into all the very clear science that shows this undoubtedly in my mind. But there's also this Canadian scientist researching as well in regard to HIV, and a lot of this stuff ultimately happened at really interesting times. This is February 6, 2020. Now, let's start with this Look at it this way. In my opinion, there are three ways to break this up, at least in how we're going to discuss it today. There's the conversation, which we're going to start with here in regard to the uh, uh, University of Queensland coronavirus vaccine that created supposed false positives. Now, we talked about this already. So that's one part of this. Now, the conversation as it goes is that there was the HIV insert, the clamp, which we'll get into which was 2020, and apparently they claim was dis was stopped, right? There's a lot more around that in regard to the 85 adenovirus injections and what we're going to get into that's going to blow your mind, by the way, blew mine when I came across it. But this was supposed to be stopped and put away because of what they claim were false positives. And that they didn't say, that's all they said. It just created false positives. That's all it was. And all it did was hurt our ability to test for HIV. No risk there. Nobody was sick, right? That's what they said. But then they shelved it. Well, they stopped the version that had the HIV clamp. Then there's the conversation about general adenovirus injections and whether or not they're capable of increasing your risk of HIV. Now, these are two very different conversations. Now, what you're looking at is an article from October 20, 2020 at Forbes. These are very different and they're being conflated today. Right. This is from April uh, or excuse me, December 2020. Now, the difference is this is an injection that used an HIV clamp that they thought caused false positives. This conversation is about adenovirus injections and a specific 85 viral component or rather protein that is, they thought, causing people to become more susceptible to HIV. Now, that's really important to understand because all they're pretending to debunk right now is that we're misunderstanding that this thing was what it was and it's no longer there. So right out of the gate, I guess they're just pretending that we don't know that this is part of the conversation. We'll get to that too. But then the other part of it is, of course, the inserts and the actual discussion of the whatever we're dealing with and whether people found manipulations within that. Now, you can clearly see how those are three different things. I believe that they're all connected and you'll see why. So if you're following me so far, let's get into this. So starting with this discussion, how the University of Queensland's coronavirus vaccine induced false positives. Again, that's what they're saying. I'm almost positive that's not the case, my opinion, based on Dr. Bailey's information as well and a lot of other perspectives, but induced false positive HIV test results 
and why scientists were prepared. This is on the way back, or the archive. Um, it is indeed from December 2020. And it says, the much-touted University of Queensland coronavirus vaccine is being abandoned because people who get it return false positive results for HIV, leaving the team behind the work devastated and the public disappointed. It's crucial to note the HIV test results are all false positives. The people who got the vaccine do not have HIV. Now, based on what I see and what Dr. Bailey as well and different people are, I I mean, again, how would we know for sure? But it would, I do believe that's ultimately the case that they didn't actually end up getting this, but this is something that was creating antibodies in their body, right? So this is the first step we're at here. And this is creating something, but here, but you follow me in why I think this is very related to potentially even creating what we're seeing today. Because what this thing is made to do, remember, just like the other injections, we'll get into it with the video and everything, is it's putting the HIV clamp on the spike protein, which then uses that spike protein and the clamp to create the, the, the reaction that causes the antibodies or the production of the antibodies in your body. That's still using the spike protein. What do we know about the spike protein? That it can shed, that you can get other people sick with the, the spike protein itself can be cytotoxic, can cause disease. Okay, so if that has the component of HIV and you're able to potentially pass that, doesn't that seem like a pet, right? You see where that's going. So it's not necessarily that them not having it in this case is is challenging the whole idea. It's creating the antibodies, which means that it did have an effect in regard to HIV. Now, since the vaccine causes the body to produce chemicals that confuse HIV tests. Now, just so we're clear, by the way, this is completely misrepresenting the situation. Because since this article, they've come out with the reality that this not only just caused the test, the reason it caused the test false positives is because they were showing antibodies, not fake antibodies. They had them. They produced antibodies. And that's why it was causing the test to have these weird issues. That's what Dr. Bailey revealed. And that's what they've shown since. I also think that's interesting in regard to what they're going to be driving this toward in regard to the injection they're claiming they're making for HIV. Now, going forward. It says, one of the most successful ones included a fragment of a protein that is found in HIV. Now, again, this is the interesting part about it. This is what we'll get into, and this is what a lot of people, sadly, even in the independent media, are confusing and misrepresenting as certain today. Remember, when our first conversation about this and this one, that's what we were looking into. We found that video. We were trying to break it down. And in the next show, and going forward, we found the full video, and it turns out, and we'll show it to you more today, that it wasn't mRNA, and it wasn't connected, at least as we can tell, to the larger conversation. But sadly, it's being misrepresented, right? That's important to understand even, and I'll show you that stuff towards the end. That's why I always say it's important to be better. Now, this is just setting the tone for the idea that this was what was happening, right? They're telling you false positives. It used the HIV. So even that that clip in the video, we know that is valid, is real. And it was a BBC documentary. And that's what we'll show you right here. Actually, first, I wanted to play Bailey's clip here of hers telling you about the antibodies. Just really quickly so you can understand that, that this is what we now know. A few months later, they hit a snag with their phase one clinical trials when the human volunteers were found to produce HIV antibodies after receiving the shot. Well, earlier you'll remember that Professor Lewin advised that because PCR was unreliable for HIV detection, we needed to use a more sensitive and specific test such as HIV antibodies. But these guys worked out how to produce the antibodies without any HIV, and it was reported that it was unclear how long participants would continue to return false positive results. Now, you can see... Apparently, Dr. Andrew Nash, 
the brains behind the Australian-made COVID-19 vaccine knew they were taking a gamble when they decided to use harmless HIV fragments in their project. In fact, it generated HIV antibodies in all 168 trial participants who didn't receive the placebo. However, in the same article, Professor Paul Young stated, we didn't anticipate that we would have the problem that we subsequently encountered. For many of us that have investigated HIV, this is where the mainstream theories get rather inconsistent. Listen to the reason that infectious diseases physician Paul Griffin gave for abandoning the COVID shot in April 2021. So, so what the issue was is that one of the proteins included in that vaccine uh, caused false positive tests for HIV. And yes. while for a large proportion of the population that's uh, of little concern, there's also a significant part of the population that need regular testing for various reasons. And if we can't exclude HIV in those people, then that actually has big problems. So for most people, having these vaccine-generated HIV antibodies is not a problem. But for certain people who apparently need regular testing, it is a problem. It raises another question about whether these 168 volunteers who produced HIV antibodies now meet the Australian Department of Health's case definition for HIV. Aha. Now there's an interesting crossover with what it actually means to actually have this, right? Especially as it has been reported that the antibodies were persistently positive. There it is. I guess we may never know, as there's not many specifics that have been released to the public, and they probably don't want to add to the large database of HIV inconsistencies. We know that if anyone has a positive HIV antibody test, they cannot donate blood. So if any of the volunteers are watching, please get in touch with me and let me know if you are still allowed to donate blood. Now, I'm very interested in that as well because of the Red Cross discussion, which was one of the things that I was going to talk about a couple of days ago. And then we had that issue with the computer crashing and I have to just revisit it and re-highlight everything and do the research. But it's very interesting to see that, you know, why that wouldn't be the same case with what we're dealing with today. Right. Interesting. But so obviously we're at a point now where we can see. And, and I highly recommend you watch this whole video. She's doing outstanding work. It's creating antibodies in your body. Right now, her point is like, okay, well, is that in their in their narrative? Is wouldn't isn't that a miracle? Right, you're you're doing something that you've been trying to do. You've accidentally made them so you're so you're telling us antibodies by trying to do something else, even though you've been trying to do an HIV and a cancer mRNA injection forever, and you failed over and over and over. And now suddenly you just make it happen. Like this doesn't seem like an accident to me. Seems like experimentation, if you really ask me. But ultimately, they scrapped this, and now we're at the point where that's where... So so they created these antibodies. They went into people's bodies with testing, right? So that happened. So whether or not it was a test and a trial, it happened in people's bodies, and then they went on to live their lives. So think about that. We're talking about a spike protein that's being produced in the body that has an HIV clamp. Now, that created some reaction to HIV in their body. Now, if that's able to somehow go forward, and we'll get into the potential of spike protein shedding in a minute... Couldn't that not then create the same situation as somebody else? Could that be what we're looking at from one angle? Certainly possible, but it gets better or worse, however you want to look at it. Let's keep going. Now, here is the BBC clip they put out, which interestingly clips out the main part about that HIV insert, which is odd as they put it out way after the fact. And it's interesting they wouldn't include that, seeing as how it was being discussed as a, you know, it's a relevant part of the story to understand how they got here. And that's why I always point out that, you know, BBC and plenty of others, you know, they they carefully cultivate what they put out. Six minutes is not the documentary, obviously. Now, I showed this in the last show we discussed, and you can see that it's very similar to the clip that we played. 
as you've seen before. Uh, where did I have that? Somewhere in here. Or maybe I actually closed it. I, sh I sh hope I didn't. Hold on one second. I mean, you guys saw it with my last show. Oh, you know what? It's in this longer one anyway. You'll, you'll see it when I play it on here. So the clip that's circulating online. Oh, you know what? I do have it down here. I forgot. Okay, so this clip, which I'll get to this in the misrepresentation in a minute, is what is circulating and which, which first caught my attention. Now, this is from this documentary. This is him from the Queensland University of Queensland discussing what they did and with the clamp, right? You can see how it looks very similar and it shows the HIV clamp and the whole discussion, right? So this was the part they put out, which cut that part out of it, which I thought was very interesting. I'm including this just for you guys to check out for yourself. Now, here is what somebody sent me. Thank you for this, which is the, which started my research on this, which is where they put the whole thing rather the clips to it. And it's also interestingly very difficult to find. And weirdly enough, they won't let you watch this if you're not in the UK. And even with an, with an a VPN, they say they can tell and you can't use it. It's just very weird that they would be so weirdly aggressive about not letting people watch this. But here is what somebody sent me. And this is indeed the entire special. This is uh, from Helen Channel from Odyssey. Now, I'm going to play you two parts from this that are very, very important. Now, this, first of all, is a, is a researcher and a, and a scientist who's discussing what they saw in China. But it's weird, the timing of it, first of all. The point of me showing you this is to get to the part that you just saw and to prove that this was a documentary that went out and that they did discuss this, but it's in the context of before, just to set that tone. Because a lot of people are sharing that clip online right now and saying proof that it, it's doing this right now, you know, and that's what happens. And it, we should understand, by the way, I'm never, I, and, and you should know, in no way am I ever, ever, ever calling for someone to be censored. I truly believe that in the most extreme. I don't care what you're doing. I don't, I don't think that the censorship should be something that is applied or rather that it's, it's communal. Like the idea is that people out there should be able to decide what they look and don't look at. And if somebody's doing something disgusting, then you should be able to look at it and say, you're disgusting or, you know, but then if it's a crime, then obviously that should be addressed like a crime, right? There's a line there. Anything you could think of right now that would cross that line is most likely a crime. The point is that censorship is not the answer. More speech is always the answer. My point in saying this is because there's a lot of people out there, like the one I just, well, I'll get to at the end, that are in fact doing a disservice to the truth by putting things out, even if they don't mean to, that are dishonest or not dishonest, but necessary, incorrect which is what they would call misinformation. And I use those people and those posts, which I'll make that point later to censor people like us. So it's just, I'm really just making a call for people to, to be better, be more objective, right? Do not, it's, we have to be better than the mainstream media, but you know, we all still should recognize that a lot of them doing that are doing it for that exact purpose on purpose so that they can create the necessary setting to censor people like us who are proving with peer reviewed research and so on. Okay. So starting with this clip, this person is discussing before it all started. On the 7th, he says, we confirmed a novel coronavirus. He's talking about January 7th, 2020. Now, that's interesting to me, seeing as how Moderna's site discusses how they, they got the genetic code on January 11th. Now, even in this documentary, they say they released that January 10th. So just, just interesting inconsistencies. Not that it necessarily has to mean everything or anything, but it's interesting that the timeline doesn't really add up when you listen to one person or the other. And that tends to show me that there was a lot more happening before we realized it was a lot more communication behind the scenes. And we know that by now, you know, the people talking to Trump about the vaping thing and well before and the reality that Trump and Pompeo tried to stupidly lie about, they didn't let us know. You realize how ignorant that is now looking back at how we know what we know that Trump and Pompeo, like months into 2020, were pretending like they had no idea what was going on when you can verifiably show that they very clearly did. They were lying to you guys, including the people on the right, right? If you pretend that it, the government is always trying to deceive you. Now, check this out. 
He's for the podcast. He says, we knew we had a new pathogen creating a new type of disease. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that. What I'm saying is this is what they were discussing and the time doesn't add up. The date doesn't add up. A new deadly virus had never been identified this quickly before. And that's interesting, right? Like this whole, the whole thing about this documentary, they're talking about, we've never identified it this fast. We've never made a vaccine this fast. And that's the point. Right? Why would we take that at face value when they're talking about doing things they've never done faster than they've ever done them? <laughs> and it's absolutely, completely, you know, just beyond question until they question it, like mass and the, the lab leak and with and from and cycles, everything, right? It's just, it's like, I, 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 there's a meme that somebody put out that I'll probably show later, the Babylon Bee, saying like the absolutely undeniable, unquestionable science is being changed again, <laughs> which is just how this seems to go. But as it says, finally on the morning of January 10th, which is different than what Moderna says. We released the sequence to the world. The genetic sequence for the new coronavirus sounded the starting gun for vaccine scientists worldwide. Now ask yourself how that even remotely makes sense. Right? I knew I was going to grab this. Hold on a second. Because the idea here, guys... If we're talking about them starting, initiating the creation of an injection, we're told right now that that needs isolation. And then, of course, they pretend that they did that. Now, I don't think that happened. I haven't seen it verified. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened that we don't see the proof, but I, I believe we have not seen that verified. Coach Postulates and so on, we've talked about this. Oh, by the way, isn't it interesting that the, their own video, Moderna's own video about the creation of the injection which, by the way, had a lot of weird, interesting details. You have to hit this like 11 times to get to the bottom. It says video been removed for violating YouTube's terms of service. What? I'd love to hear more about that, but I doubt we'll ever find out what that means. So YouTube is censoring Moderna's own video about the creation of the injection? <laughs> so is that how is that violating the terms? Is it misinformation? Or are you hiding something? Isn't that weird? Anyway, not to get off track. January 11th, 2020. Chinese authorities shared the genetic sequence of the novel coronavirus. January 13th. NIH and Moderna's infectious disease research team already finalized what they are now using still to this day, mRNA-1273. That's the one they just approved recently, still based on the original Wuhan isolate, still based on the exact same genetic sequence from January 11th before it was isolated. Like, let's be clear, that's provable. They're telling you, we gave the genetic sequence. That's not isolation. That's moments that's immediately involved in this. They put it out there. And the starting gun went off. Everybody started researching and going forward with making an injection before we have even proven that that's what it is and where it's... That. Seriously, this is the incredible part about this is that we can prove this stuff today. February 7th. February 7th. Less than a month later, they had already produced the first batch. And it hasn't changed. Now, realize that Omicron, Delta, Al, any of these different variants, especially the ones they tell you are super changed and altered and manipulated, change that. So if you're using something that's based on the original isolate, that's why I played those clips in the beginning. You are producing antibodies that are not right for you. And I question whether they would be anyway, regardless, but the point is nonetheless that you're, their narrative is telling you you're making antibodies for something that's no longer there, which is why it can create what we're talking about. That's not even to get into immune dysregulation and everything else. That's just creating a situation where your body's attacking itself and your immune system being dysregulated makes that all the more damaging. But one month later, they're making this. I just find that to be catastrophic. I mean, just ridiculous. 
already prepared for this moment. While Gao himself raced into vaccine development in China, other teams use completely different ways of turning the virus into a vaccine. When the sequence of the virus came out on January 10th, we were certainly prepared and had determined exactly how we would make the vaccine. Okay, so on January 10th, which, by the way, challenges what Moderna says, which says 11th, which, you know, that could just be that they didn't start it or whatever. You can give them that. But the idea that this started everything before we even knew it was happening. January 11th, Trump was still pretending he didn't even know it was happening. And we're going to pretend like we had already isolated this and we knew and it was proven and we knew what one it was. I mean, that's outrageously, obviously incorrect. So apparently they don't even need the isolate, which by the way, they don't. They've been telling you that quietly the whole time. We're making platforms, mRNA platforms, plug and play. All we need is a computer screen genetic code. That's it. They've told you that. That's what they're building toward. So the idea of isolation, no wonder it's been undermined. No wonder it's been discussed and, and dismissed. Because they don't need it anymore. And I don't think they ever cared about it to begin with. I mean, let's let's not forget that not only have we discussed this with plenty of people, plenty of experts, but again, the CDC in China actually said this on the record with mainstream media. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. Pretty damn clear. Now, again, you could pretend they went on to do it afterward, but that does not change the fact that they did this, started it, the gun went off, and everybody began making these things before they actually did that. I can't even wrap my mind around how that's not the most important thing. But going back to this, you'll see where it gets into the HIV. The orders move very quickly. Now we're looking at Bonsell here. This is the one who just deleted his Twitter account and sold off all of his Moderna stock. I wonder what he sees coming. I wonder what he's trying to hide. Let's be clear. When you delete your Twitter account and you're this kind of person, there's something you're trying to cover up. Now, today, let's hopefully, a lot of this is on the Wayback Machine. You can actually get some of these tweets to show up again. But that's really interesting, by the way. Selling off this multiple times, he sold off his own stock. Millions of dollars worth. Something strange is going on. But he says he has a sixth sense for these kind of things. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I misrepresent. That's crazy. I, I thought that's what that person. Let me see real quick. I, that was the wrong person. No, that's interesting. Oh, so, okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's my mistake. Unless his name is, huh. Let's look at images real quick. Ah, yes, that's right. Okay. So you can see my mistake. So for those not on the podcast, this is Stefan Bonsell, who we were just looking at, who looks interestingly like him. So that's just my mistake. Is but also you know part of these part of this team, and you can see that that's what they that's why the searches are very similar. He is specifically oncology immunologist. He's the CEO of BioNTech, right? So he's he's connected with Pfizer, but same kind of discussion, right? Anyway, just just for trans, to be clear. I'm glad I recognized that. Okay, so he says it was obvious to me that we would need a completely new vaccine. I don't know why. I mean, you think about how interesting that is, that they've continued to fail over and over and over and over at this kind of thing. And then in the midst of the pandemic, they go, let's try again because that's going to work, right? Let's let's put everything we, our company has on, the, on the, the, the slim chance that we'll make this thing work, even though we failed 11 times before this. 
and do it even faster than we've ever done before. <laughs> yeah, a child could see that that's ridiculous. And complete non Impfstoff benötigen. We saw the sequence. We thought, yes, let's make a vaccine. We'll pretend this is the real thing. We'll get a great publication out. So even the Queensland guys said, we saw the sequence and we started, let's pretend like it's happening. They did not have an isolated idea. They, this was a co genetic code. I hope you're getting the point that all of these things still to this day are based on that. <laughs> I wonder why things aren't going well. But, um, you know, we can... Actually, I'm sorry, I got to make this point again. How about we ask ourselves, guys, if Trump and whoever else were so clearly that China was the problem, whatever else, which I'm not suggesting they're not an authoritarian government. Do we not realize that the injections and all of them still are based on a genetic code that the Chinese government gave to us? Is, is, that, is Trump OK with that? Operation Warp Speed didn't seem to care. Right. Is that interesting? So China, bad guy, except we're going to take their word that this is exactly what they say it is, since it wasn't isolated. Do we not realize how crazy that is? whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or somebody who sees that they're all fake, right? The reality is that they all, to this day, are trusting what they say was that. Think about how ridiculous that is. Pretend like we've saved the world. It just really went quickly from practice to, oh shit, this is the real thing. My brother was living in China. I was aware of this virus that was spreading. My phone pinged late. It was a late Friday night, early Saturday morning that I got the sequence. It's six o'clock on Saturday, the 11th of January with the latest. When they got the sequence, right? It's BBC News. Got up the next morning and just sat in my bedroom in front of my computer, basically huddled over it in my PJs, designing the vaccine. Right. That sounds great. Right. So she got a genetic code in her computer and her PJ. She was making an injection that would then be put in people's bodies for the next three years. Yeah. Science. Dr. Teresa or Tess Lamb works at Oxford University in one of the world's preeminent centers for vaccine development, the Jenner Institute. It oh, whoops. I forgot. I believe uh, I was just letting it play. I forgot that I don't think there's anything in here like spikes made of protein. Inhale one of these viruses. Yeah, we, we've looked at this before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to the chase. So here, here is the, the scientist from Queensland. Sorry, my mic arm is giving me a lot of trouble today for some reason. Apologize for the sound if it's causing sound. So here, is he, here he is discussing that HIV clamp. It really is the most simple type of vaccine. It's just a small component of the virus and it's combined with a chemical called an adjuvant, which says to your body, look out, this is what is potentially a nasty um, pathogen. Make an immune response to that. Using the coronavirus spike protein as a vaccine presents Keith's team with a key challenge. Very big day. The spike protein is highly flexible. It wants to fall apart. It wants to flip into other structures. What we've got is the molecular clamp. It's like a bulldog clips that holds it together and it allows it to stay 100% in that structure that's present on the surface of the virus. So why this drive for all of them to make the spike protein the focus, right? I mean, really think about that. Like before all this, that that's not how this ultimately worked. This is all this new technology. It doesn't seem like anybody seems to be making the classical uh, concepts, right? So why all the focus on the thing that is now clearly the biggest problem? Why create the thing that's causing the problem? 
still to this day. The shape of the coronavirus spike protein before the virus meets our cells is what triggers the most protective antibody response. So Keith must make the spike protein in the lab, locking it into exactly the same shape by adding another protein that acts a bit like a clamp. And that protein is a tiny fragment of HIV. Okay, so this is the, this is the, the 2020 discussion, and that this this is this discussion, and that's all. This is the result from that. They claim the false positives and so on. The reason we chose this protein is because it's so well understood. It's a highly stable structure. There is absolutely no risk from this type of vaccine. There's nothing that makes HIV replicate. Well, clearly that doesn't seem to be the case. At least that there's no risk. There is only one small fragment of a protein that is also present in HIV. And then we hit go, and it does it all for me. It makes hey. all those cool woo sounds. That's your robot. All right. So now the rea- the point here to show this to be very clear is that this was before. 2021, 2020, and this was the clamp on the uh, the University of Queensland injection that they claim had stopped. Now, here is a discussion going past that April 19th, 2021, looking back at that discussion, and there's some really interesting things that they point out, and then I'm going to show you where that inject- injection has ended up today before we get into the next point, which shows you why this is also relevant. Now, this is the safety and immunogenicity of an MF59 adjuvant, adjuvanted spike glycoprotein clamp vaccine. That's what they're talking about. Now it says, given the scale of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the development of vaccines based on different platforms is essential. Weird that they say platforms, right? That was clearly the driven direction. That This whole idea of the platform was this new revolutionary idea. Then why in the world that would be jammed in and was supposed to be a pandemic makes no sense unless it was planned. Why you would try something new and different that we didn't flesh out until like, think about it like this. If that's new, that means it hasn't been proven and you're using this to prove that it works. That's an experiment. Doesn't make, it doesn't make sense if they're telling you that they want you know, for your safety. Let's test this thing on you for your safety. Come on. But it goes on to say, oh, and then it says particularly in the light of emerging viral variants. Now it says MF59 adjuvant sub, subnuit, subnuit vaccine for COVID-19 based on recombinant spike cov 2 spike, recombinant SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoprotein stabilized and a pre-fusion confirmation by a novel molecular clamp, the spike glycoprotein clamp or S-clamp. So just, it's interesting, just like I was talking about, this is always focused on the spike protein. And I think that's very relevant to what could be happening today. Unsolicited, ad, ad, this is interesting, by the way, on a quick side note, unsolicited adverse events occurred in seven out of 24 participants got the placebo, 29%. Then 35 out of 96 got received the injection, had adverse events. That's 36%. <laughs> so right out of the gate, there's a, there's a, a, an increase, 36 versus 29% if you got the injection. So very clearly, doesn't that show you that that's more risky? But here's what they say. MF59 adjuvanted molecular clamp stabilized recumbent spike protein elicits strong immune responses with a promising safety profile. What? How in the world does more people having problems on the side of the injection constitute a promising safety profile? All they care about is, what. oh, look, it gave you antibodies. Like, just like with today, 
And it's very interesting, but it says, however, the glycoprotein 41 peptide present in the clamp created HIV diagnostic assay interference. That's how they frame creating antibodies in your body. They create, the, you know, that, that's what they're framing right there. All they care about is, that, oh, well, if you test them, then there's a problem. A possible barrier to widespread use highlighting the critical, the criticality and potential non-spike directed immunogenicity during vaccine development. So a barrier to possible widespread use? Yeah, they're creating antibodies for something else in their body. Let's, that's maybe a barrier. <laughs> How about a reality that you stand back and go, that's a complete failure and that's dangerous, but no. But it, they claim it did get stopped. Here is what it developed into. This is April 25th. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, well, the next one is that. This is an extension of this same article. University of Queensland COVID-19 vaccine apparently still in redevelopment as of April 25th. I find that to be very interesting. So they're taking the same thing and doing something different. Removing the HIV clamp and putting what exactly? Well, it says the University of Queensland scientists have been re-engineering their vaccine. An early version used two fragments of a protein found in HIV, which is weird because he just said one. See, there's all these inconsistencies. And anyway, it says to hold together the key part of the SARS-CoV-2 virus so the immune system could then learn to recognize it. Only for researchers to discover the vaccine induced false positive HIV results, which is all they'll ever say, despite the fact that it was shown to actually produce antibodies. Now, they are now doing something alternatives to the HIV protein. It says we haven't modified the clamp that we had. We've substituted in a completely new one that won't induce the diagnostic interference. Quote, two proteins have emerged as promising candidates and we're taking them forward. But Professor Young remained tight lipped about exactly which, pro- which proteins were standout contenders. Why? Seriously, think about that. There's literally nobody else making this injection in, in, in the same way. And you're not telling us which protein you're using. What's the why? What's the what's the desire? What's the reason you wouldn't want to share that with people? Quote, there's simply other proteins that have a very similar structural motif that are designed to do essentially the same job. OK, then if it's not a big deal, then tell us what it is. Isn't that weird? Well. This from nature. From December 2021. Right. So here are the timelines. So now we're going to December, the end of the year. World in motion, emulsion adjuvants rising to meet the pandemic challenges. Jumping down to where it discusses the one we just witnessed is why you'll see I wanted to point out what it was called. Where we are right here. Now it says, while the vaccine elicited strong immune responses and had a promising safety profile, the study was halted, and this is the one we're just discussing, because the clamp antigen led to interference with diagnostic assays for HIV, a possible barrier to widespread use. More recently, however, a phase one and two clinical trial has begun, which I don't know why in the world they keep jamming together these trials. That's not supposed to be the way that goes, has begun to assess the safety and efficacy of IVX411, a new MF59 adjuvated SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. So just to be clear, that's the one we're talking about, right? The MF59 injection. And it says a vaccine that uses, guess what, guys? A self-assembling nanoparticle with a multi-copy display of the spike glycoprotein receptor binding domain. So look at that. So it just, it, it's altered in the direction of exactly what we're all concerned about, as if that's a correction. Now we're using self-assembling nanoparticles. Like plenty of people would point out that things like graphene oxide would be considered a self-assembling nanoparticle which I'm looking forward to discussing in depth these conversations with Catherine Austin Fitz in the near future. Somebody did send me today an interesting uh, supposed lab study posting that I haven't been able to verify that does, again, find all sorts of things like this. But interesting how that's the direction, guys. We keep telling you this is where it's going. Now, that's a quick sidestep from where we're talking about today, but that's very alarming to me. That's where they're now going, and that's the shift from HIV, a self-assembling nanoparticle, 
good times. Well, let's switch over into the other side of this. Okay. So this conversation is pretty clear, right? What we're talking about here is the idea that ultimately, yeah, this thing's driving me crazy today, is ultimately that the injection they created had an HIV clamp, which caused some sort of HIV connected reaction in their body, whether that was antibodies alone, or it was something else that created antibodies or just a, like they say, just false positives. I don't buy that, but that's one thing. And that's, they're acting like that's the only part of this conversation that makes sense. Except when you go to the next part of it, and this goes all the way back to the beginning, this is, or in, in the context of the HIV conversation in regard to COVID, this is October 20th, 2020. Researchers warned, we talked about this the other day, some COVID-19 vaccines could increase the risk of HIV infection. Now, this is in regard to just simply adenovirus vaccines, specifically 85. So why then would they be fact-checking this entire concept and saying, no, that's just this old story and it doesn't have any bearing on today? They're using these kind of injections today. They're testing these kind of injections today. Oh, and somebody also points out in the chat the concept of the, of the ferritin injections that we've discussed many times, right? This is a very real, important conversation. That th this is another concept that they've already discussed in the concepts, uh, the concept of being able to remotely control people's brains, their thoughts, their emotions. This is not a joke. This is a, the ferritin-based injection that they've discussed from DARPA, from the military. Right? These are all the same kind of concepts. And whether you accept that this is happening or not is really irrelevant. Because if they, they want you to scream conspiracy theory at anything as they openly conduct this stuff and frame it as your best interest, because then it's just people that haven't seen it yet will dismiss it as fake news right up until it's being jammed in your arm. Now, this is going back to 2020 is talking about these specific injections. Now, it says some of the COVID-19 vaccines currently in development as of October 20th, 2020, could increase the risk of acquiring HIV, says Forbes, warned a group of researchers in The Lancet. So we're talking mainstream media pointing at the Lancet. So ask yourself why this is being dismissed as fake news. Now, I'm not suggesting because mainstream media and the Lancet that therefore they're real, but from their mindset, from the mainstream, that's not supposed to be the case, right? Now, it says potentially leading to an increase in infections as vaccines are rolled out to vulnerable populations around the world. Now, it's important to understand what they're talking about. It doesn't just mean any of these COVID injections. It's talking about adenovirus. The researchers warned of a cautionary tale from efforts to create an HIV vaccine over a decade ago. You know who was involved with that? Anthony Fauci. Where a promising vaccine candidate actually increased the risk of the people catching the virus. Now, this is when they were making an HIV vaccine, and that HIV vaccine increased the risk of catching it. What does that sound like to you? Sounds like antibody-dependent enhancement. It sounds like, or, or more specifically, that because that'd be a little different. It'd be when you caught it, it increased the problem in your body. But it sounds like everything else we're talking about here. Talking about taking an injection that then increases your risk, like with the COVID-19, like with the first nine, seven to 10 days, it increases your risk of catching COVID 50%. Or how about the fact that in general, it dysregulates your immune system, as we found out from Swiss policy research and other studies, up to 50% of people, temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation called lymphocytopenia. That goes on for an unknown period of time because they have tested it for a long period afterward and they found it all the way to the end of the study. So it could end right after that or it could go on forever. So, uh, people have not found out yet. Or the fact that the injections are showing to wane. That's weird that it re refreshed. To wane, as you've seen many times, immediately. One day down to 55%. 30 days down to 16%. Relative risk reduction. There are 60 days, nine. After 90 days, you're 
increased risk of 76%. That's ridiculous. But all of that paints that same picture. Increasing your risk. So now is when you stand back and go, okay, you know, there's a lot of people that were pointing at this at the time and plenty of experts. I mean, I'm reading emerging viruses right now, this very central part of the conversation that HIV was something, and you could even question that if you want to go the same route as COVID-19, but rather, but to go from their argument that HIV causing AIDS, the question is, is that the case? Is there more to that story? Just like, is there more today? And whether or not their so-called treatment, in fact, caused possibly exactly what we're seeing today, and whether neither of them are this new thing, and rather both of them are, are just side effects, adverse events, or just effects of the injections they're giving you something to think about. But very clearly, we can all acknowledge that the injection increasing your risk of catching the very thing they're giving it to you for is exactly what they were describing and exactly what they saw before. And now seemingly exactly what's happening again. Hard to think that's a coincidence, isn't it? Now, here's the main point. The the vaccine that they're talking about from the HIV days made, or you know, the HIV discussion made before COVID made use of a modified virus called an adenovirus 5 or AD5 as a vector to transport some of HIV's genetic material into the body. Exactly how the vaccine increased the risks of HIV transmission is unknown. So let's, like, remember that this is what they were saying, and it's where we ultimately are, and yet we pretend like they know for sure it's not possible, yet they never really figured out why that happened. That sounds like a solid thing to stand on. The mainstream's like, you're crazy and you're fake, and we know for sure, even though we never even vetted exactly how that happened, but we know for sure you're wrong today. That's narrative talking, guys. They're, they're towing the line they're supposed to tow. That's what they do. But it says, but a conference convened by, of course, the NIH recommended against further use of 85 as a vector in HIV vaccines. Hmm. So Dr. Fauci was the lead author of that paper, recommending we don't use it for HIV then, and yet allowed it to be used all the way to now and still being tested in studies that are currently being given to people right now. That seems interesting and contradictory. Well, 85 is used as a vector in some COVID vaccines. Now let's get into that. Science identifies all of them. Science being science.org, uh, one of the most highly regarded publications in scientific publications. Now it says, could certain COVID, now this is October 19, 2020, could certain COVID-19 vaccines leave people more vulnerable to the AIDS virus? Again, you see how different and, contra- this is not about a Queensland vaccine and whether we're misunderstanding what that, that clip is about. This is very clearly from the highest levels of the scientific discussion at the time questioning whether this injection, or specifically in this case, the AD5 injections, could cause you to literally be more likely to cause HIV. Think about how exactly relevant that is to what we're theorizing could be happening and how dismissed it is without even thinking from the mainstream media. That's like, like, that's nothing new there. But wouldn't this seem to at least open the door to that conversation? It would if they were being honest. Cold-causing adenovirus, which, by the way, is another point I think is interesting. That's what the other ones are as well cold-causing adenovirus used in four experimental COVID vaccines, increased risk of HIV infection when used in AIDS vaccine trials. Here's what it says. 2020, remember, certain COVID-19 vaccine candidates could increase susceptibility to HIV, warns a group of researchers who in 2007 learned that an experimental HIV vaccine had raised in people, some people, the risk for infection with the AIDS virus. So they're thinking, okay, we can see that this, if just simply using this 85 component increases the risk of them catching HIV. So now they're speaking up and saying, we're concerned this can do the same thing. 
Seems like a valid concern, doesn't it? These concerns have, have percolated in the background of the race for a vaccine to stem the coronavirus pandemic. But now the researchers have gone public with a, quote, cautionary tale. Like why the going public suggests that no one's listening and they want to put this out there. In part, because trials of those candidates may soon begin in locales that have pronounced HIV epidemics, such as shocking South Africa. It's really interesting how that seems to be a constant focal point and crossing area between all these narratives. Where did Omicron start? Oh, South Africa, right? Weren't those diplomats that crossed into Botswana with something? Is that actually Omicron? Is that something else? These are valid questions with what Omicron seems to be have changed the whole game and seemingly hurting people more than ever with this exact topic. We should be questioning whether there's something else going on. You'll see how South Africa weirdly ties in plenty more as we go forward. Either way, their point is, well, South Africa and plenty of other places have a really high issue with HIV. Why would you give them something we know could increase their risk of that exact problem? If that I'm arguing that that's what they think is happening, because I'm questioning whether that is how that works in regard to HIV leading to AIDS, or rather that the injections and things they're doing are creating that problem, just like we're seeing today. I'm not saying I know for sure, but I'm saying that's a valid question. Now, some approved and experimental vaccines have as a backbone a variety of adenoviruses, which can cause the common cold, but are often harmless. Now, doesn't that seem like a quick sidestep, a very relevant point to remember in the beginning, we saw all these uh, here. Let me just see if I can grab one real quick. Yeah. See, like, well, this is a little bit different than what I'm looking for, but same kind of point. Immune cells for common cold may recognize SARS-CoV-2. That's in regard to creating immunity, right? But we had all these conversations in the beginning about whether or not you could have, have, have gotten a cold and have immunity, or rather how you could have a cold and potentially test positive for COVID-19. All of that was discussed and very valid points in the beginning, which very quickly got shoved away once it became un- inconvenient for them. But think about that. If a adenovirus, which they're using in injections, can cause the common cold, which could then potentially cause immunity or specifically a false positive. That's a very relevant thing to ask, but nope, can't talk about that. But it says the ill-fated HIV vaccine trial used an engineered strain known as adenovirus 5 or 85, right? So that's the one that that HIV vaccine that caused those false positives, so they claim, was using to shuttle into the body the gene for the surface protein for the AIDS virus. In four candidate COVID-19 vaccines, now in clinical trials in several countries. So remember, right? So right there, remember, four different countries were giving this to people, whether trials or not. So if this could potentially cause something that could then be potentially spread, that's all you'd really need to create this waterfall if it was that bad, right? So think about that. I'm not even getting into this just yet. I just keep saying this to prime you for what we're going to talk about. Think about whether that's possible or not, because it has been put in people's arms to shuttle the body, the gene for the surface protein of the AIDS virus. In four candidate COVID-19 vaccines, now in clinical trials in several countries, including the United States, 85 similarly serves as the vector to carry in the surface protein gene SARS-CoV-2. So they're using this, the viral cause of the pandemic. Two of these have advanced in large scale, phase three efficacy studies in Russia and Pakistan. So this is all over the world. There was a time when this was being widely used in trials and otherwise. So if we can see the possibility of this very thing, as these people are warning, creating the vulnerability to the to whatever we're calling this, AIDS or AIDS or whatever else, and it was put out in the population, why can't we stand back and go, well, they called it. These are these are highly regarded publications. These are scientists and doctors saying it could do that. Just because you paused it doesn't mean it didn't create that very problem. And now we're watching that happen. You see how frustrating it is for people in the mainstream to just dismiss these things like they talked about masks and everything else that they're now grudgingly admitting to? 
That's what they, they just know their marching orders. These people don't think about what's right or wrong or proven or fact or science. They just go, what am I supposed to say? Fake news. My point here is that if these people are raising this question, then it's a valid thing to ask right this moment, whether or not any version of this before to now has caused this in the population. And that's what we're seeing now. And it's now being called something else, or it's now just being shifted into an HIV epidemic that we now need to give mRNA injections for, which is just the pro the extension of the same agenda under another title. But going forward, it says in today's issue of The Lancet, which we'll, we'll look at next, four veteran researchers raise a warning flag about those COVID-19 vaccine candidates by recounting their experience running a placebo-controlled AIDS vaccine trial dubbed STEP. Now, it says precisely how Merck's 85 vaccine increased the risk of HIV transmission in STEP and the other study called uh, FAMBILY remains murky. So again, they're pointing out, we don't even realize how this ultimately happened, but let's dismiss it as fake news today because we don't know. The Lancet editorial spells out several possibilities, including dampening of HIV immunity. So this simply argument just removes the immunity from your body. Does that seem interesting today? We're talking about how this can remove antibodies from your blood. And here we are going, well, one possibility is that it removes the immunity from your body. Fake news in other contexts. Enhancing replication of the AIDS virus, so making it enhance or replicate even faster, antibody-dependent enhancement, or setting up more target cells for it. You can call that plenty of things. This is exactly what we're seeing today. I don't know why people can't put that together unless, you know, for, for the other side of the argument, I guess. But it says, in a Lancet report in May, researchers from the company recognized the controversial possibility of their vector increasing the risk of HIV infection and said they would watch for it in the candidates' trials. CanSino's COVID-19 vaccine is being tested in efficacy trials in Russia, Pakistan, that together hope to enroll more than 40,000 people. And the company is discussing starting studies in Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Chile, Mexico. Yeah, let's, let's pretend like that's not a huge portion of people that could potentially create something that's now rolling through the population and being called something else. Just again, just hypothetical. China has already approved a CanSino vaccine against Ebola that uses 85. So now we're on a whole other conversation, right? We're not even talking about COVID-19 anymore. They're over here using an injection for Ebola that they're giving people somewhere, which could potentially cause the increased risk of HIV. That's what we're talking about. This alone creates that problem. That's what they're saying. So why are we using it in places where it increases the problem? Ebola vaccines are used predominantly in places where that's the highest risk. Doesn't that seem a little counterintuitive? Right? I mean, we need to ask the question whether or not that's the whole point and whether this has been something that's been engineered. Now, it says, you, uh, the casino CEO, CanSino's CEO, tells science the risk of increased HIV susceptibility may be limited to HAD5 vaccines that produce an AIDS virus protein. Okay, so he's trying to say like the one that Queens, the University of Queensland made, that's the only risk. But everyone else is saying otherwise, especially that's what this article is discussing, that these are people sounding the alarm bells saying, no, 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 this 85 is a problem. And by the way, it's already been shown in other situations independent of HIV. But it says, and by the way, I think we're seeing that to some degree right now, quote, there's no clear answer yet, they say. We certainly haven't seen anything with the Ebola vaccine, and was which was tested in a population in Sierra Leone that he notes has a relatively high HIV prevalence, making it more likely to have detected the problem if it existed. Well, that is if you guys were looking for it, if you were willing to admit that it caused that or whether you would just call it HIV or AIDS, right? I mean, think about that. 
If you don't want this to be seen for what you think it can cause, why wouldn't you just deem it something else? They caught because, well, they're in an area with HIV and AIDS. That's what's happening, guys. Last week, immuno, immunity bio. Oh, by the way, here is. Oh, that's oh, it's the next one. We'll get to that in a second. Immunity bio received approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to begin human trials of its COVID-19 vaccine, which, by the way, uses 85 as a vector. Now, understand this is from October 2020. So we're keeping you on the same time set in your mind. But the point is that even in the United States, they were producing and testing. Where were we? Right here. An 85 vector vaccine. So this was being used and tested on people in the United States. So there, there's a possibility right there for this thing to increase the risk of HIV in a population which we might be seeing now. The first trial will take place in Newport Beach, California. And he also hopes to test it in, guess what, guys? South Africa. Yeah, weird, weird connection. So you now you have the FDA working with the United States government injection using 85 vectors, immuno, immunity bio, which again, we're talking about American. This is, and, and they're testing this in South Africa. Now, right there, let's recognize we're talking about people that are being crossing borders, potentially with diplomatic immunity to test there, to go back and forth from the United States. Okay, so there's a possible connection right there to whatever happened and rolled in with Omicron. Remember, this is where that started. So if they're testing this thing that could cause an HIV breakout, maybe that's what they called Omicron. I mean, these are all just complete hypotheticals, guys, but you have to recognize how valid these questions are. Now, he says he calls the step, uh, he calls the step, uh, that's the study, results, very, very fuzzy and stresses that immunity bios 85 has four deleted genes that reduce the immune responses it triggers. He says it's muted 90%. Oh, good. So only a 10% chance to catch HIV. Great stuff. <laughs> or a 10, 90% less chance to catch it. I mean, really? So we just mute it to 90%, right? It, it, why does that make any more sense? If it has a potential to cause this problem, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Immunity Bio is discussing the risk with scientists and, and regulators in South Africa, of course, of a trial there is to, there to test its modified 85 vaccine. Maybe that modification made it even worse. Why only, why only test this in wealthy enclaves of South Cal, Southern California, he asks. Why not Southern, South Africa? Why not for the underserved people of the world? Classic argument you keep hearing. Well, because other scientists are going, why would you go to the one with a focal point of a place that has the, one of the highest HIV issues and give them an injection that we're worried will cause it based on previous examples? That seems like a willfully ignorant choice or a planned action. Pediatrician Glenda Gray, who heads the South African Medical Research Council and was the, was the protocol chair of the study, the Pambilly study, has taken part in several discussions with Immunity Bio. The team says, when contacted South Africa, we were obviously quite concerned. This is the doctor, this is the, the, the uh, Glenda Gray pediatrician speaking out. Quote, all of us who were in the Pambilly and quite uh, in the study and quite traumatized by what happened asked whether there was an appetite to do something in South Africa. She's going, why are you doing this? We saw what happened before. But it says after several months of deliberations, which probably means coercion, the South Africans concluded that regulators should consider a small trial vaccine there in people at low risk of HIV. So they let it happen. Maybe that's how it started. Gray says South Africa appreciates Immunobile's offer to allow the country to manufacture the product. Quote, we're in the middle of a COVID-19 epidemic in South Africa, which, by the way, that's not even remotely true. At the time, they were having almost no problem. It only 
it, this is a misrepresentation, and we don't know if we'll ever get access to the current suite of vaccines. So give us a thing we're worried about causing HIV. Like, that's where we ended up, okay? So in October 2020, it, uh, South Africa, United States, Russia, Pakistan, they're all using these 85 things, at the very least, in trials, which could cause a problem. Very clear. Now, here is the Lancet from October 19th, same day, pointing out this. This is the same conversation, but this is the Lancet's argument of this, saying use of adenovirus type 5, that's 85 vector vaccines, a cautionary tale. This is, this is, these are the experts speaking up. We're writing to express concern about the use of the 85 vector injections for COVID-19 specifically. Over a decade ago, we completed the STEP and Pambilly phase 2B studies that evaluated an 85 vector HIV vaccine administered in three immunizations, which is very relevant for efficacy against HIV-1 accusation, acquisition, excuse me. Both international studies found an increased risk of HIV acquisition among vaccinated men. The STEP trial found that men who were 85 seropositive and uncircumcised on entry into the trial were at elevated risk of HIV-1 acquisition during the first 18 months of the follow-up. Now, the uncircumcised part has a, this is, was an HIV-focused study, and this was in regard to the breakdown, you know, between homosexuality and regular and, and, and not gay men and so on. And the point here is that I question whether that has ever really been a fair argument based on the propaganda around that whole thing, but that's a different conversation. But it goes on to say, importantly, for considering the potential use of 85 vectors for COVID-19 infection, a similar increased risk of HIV infection was also observed in heterosexual men who enrolled in the FAMBILLY study. Now think about how relevant that is to right now, where they're going, for the first time ever, we're seeing more uh, heterosexual men getting HIV. Well, okay, well, wait a minute. They're telling you right there that with these injections, it seemed to be a pretty equal problem. Well, there you go. This effect appeared to persist over time. Both studies involved an 85 construct that did not have the HIV-1 envelope. Well, that's interesting because right there, that's contradicting what they're trying to argue here. Well, we think it's only the ones focused on HIV, they say, right? Sorry. At the very least, the Lancet study is telling you no. They found that it was regardless of whether you had that part of it, the 85, the adenovirus 5 part of this is what is creating the susceptibility. Very revealing. In another HIV study, a DNA prime followed by an 85 vector were used in which both constructs contained an HIV-1 envelope. In that case, no increased risk of HIV infection was noted. Well, that's very interesting. So that could be, that could be many different things. But what it ultimately seems to suggest is the 85 is what is causing the problem. The conclusion of this consensus conference warned that non-HIV vaccine trials that use similar vectors, like the ones we're seeing put in the studies, in areas of high HIV prevalence, like South Africa, could lead to an increased risk of HIV-1 acquisition in the vaccinated population. But all they did is push and push and push and push, and it's like, okay, fine. And then it happened. Despite what the doctors, the scientists, and the Lancet were saying, they did it anyway. Trust the science, guys. On the basis of these findings, we are concerned, they said, that use of the 85 vector for immunization against severe acute SARS-CoV-2 could similarly increase the risk of HIV acquisition among men who received the injection. Rollout of an effective SARS-CoV-2 vaccine globally could be given to populations at risk of HIV infection, which could potentially increase their risk of HIV-1 acquisition. Pretty damn clear, right? Very different than suggesting this other old vaccine that wasn't made is no longer a problem. This is a bigger conversation that's already been tested and put into the, in the population in multiple countries. And we've only just scratched the surface, guys. This is back in October 2020. Here, we jump over to 2021. 
This is nature.com. Adenoviral vector vaccine platforms in the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. Okay, well, let's find out which ones in 2021 are still using these things. You'll be interested to find out that they are still being tested on at the very least. Now, under pre-existing immunity to adenovirus, they discuss something very interesting. Since their discovery, most scientific and clinical studies on the, adenovi- the adenovirus proteins in general have, uh, we'll make sure I'm not, we'll just say particle in case I'm misrepresenting that, have focused on human adenovirus serotype 5, 85, making it the best characterized and understood out of all 80 vectors. Okay, so this is important, which means they've used it a lot, which could be an indication of why we've seen HIV problems or rather specifically what they claim is something that caused because of HIV AIDS happening in the population. That's important to think about from a different conversation about whether the same conversation I said in the beginning, whether or not AIDS is something being caused by HIV or whether or not COVID-19 is being something caused by SARS-CoV-2 or whether either of those are beginning set co- concepts are even really there and whether the injection and the treatment around it is causing a problem that they then call whatever they're dealing with. And that may be really hard for people to wrap their minds around if they haven't heard this stuff before, but there's a lot of evidence and science and experts that have been saying this forever. But it says, however, early discoveries indicated that the majority of the global population possesses pre-existing immunity to 85. Well, that's interesting. You know why it's very interesting to me specifically? Because we know that if you have an immunity like this and you're given something that's supposed to create the antibodies for that, that can lead to problems like antibody-dependent enhancement. We're seeing that happen with the Wuhan isolate-focused injections and coming up against whatever variants are in, in the world today, which is what they're telling us. So there's another example of why this thing is causing all these problems and why they know that and why they've now shifted away to a degree. But it says likely generated through natural infection. This immunity was demonstrated to mitigate the ability of the vector to achieve gene delivery. Of course, must make sure we're talking about gene therapy, which they pretend is not the case today, which even Merck and and their people have openly said is definitely gene therapy and we're surprised people are okay with it. Pre-existing immunity to 85 was shown to decrease immunization potential in mice and non-human primate models, meaning that, so if you already have it, the immunity to some degree, whether from injections or whatever else, that it reduces your immunity, the, the, the immune response that it creates. So think about that in the context of whether these things even work for people today. Additionally, individuals enrolled in clinical trials for Ebola and HIV with prior exposure to human 85 had decreased specific T-cell responses to the vaccine antigen. So not only are you having a decreased immune reaction in general, specific T-cells, which is the most important in regard to longevity, again, have decreased, but potentially not even relevant. Right. This is what we are seeing from multiple angles. A lot of this conversation, guys, is uncovered for me. A lot of different angles for why this stuff is exploding in their face right now. To overcome this issue, vectors from alternative AD serotypes, so not 85, but other things with low prevalence in the population have been developed. So they recognize this and they didn't tell you this and they start using other things. The human AD35, AD11 or AD26, although less immunogenic than 85, are still effective vectors for vaccination purposes, they say. Additionally, adenovirus particles from other species such as chimpanzees, cattle, and pigs have been used in candidates for vaccine development. Interesting. Now it says, this is where it gets important, the future of successful widely distributed AD vaccines such as Oxford, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Johnson COVID-19 vaccines remain unclear as dosed individuals may develop inhibitory anti-vector immunity 
through the mechanism detailed above. But yet they sure as hell let those get used widely. It remains to be seen if new vaccines based on the same vectors can be readministered in the future as may be required to control the COVID variants. I mean, this is just all over the map and it's showing you that this stuff is very clearly causing, this is an experiment in your body, guys. Let's be very clear about that. It remains to be seen if the new vaccines based on the same vectors can be readministered. They're talking about boosters. And guess what? They're finding that out that, that it doesn't work right now in real time. And I'm telling you, you were the test. Now, here's where it gets into which ones are, in fact, using 85. And guess what? They are being used right now. This one is called Convidecia, or whatever you want to call it. Convidecia, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. 85NCOV, trade name Convidecia, is a first-generation E1E3 deleted 85-based vector carrying the full-length SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoprotein. Now, the interesting part is they're pretending because they delete the E1-E3 uh, e components that removes the problem. We just showed you that they're saying that's not the case. But the ones that didn't have, it, it, it's very clear that these things have the potential to cause this problem is what the other peer-reviewed science was saying. Now, it says this was developed in China by CanSino Bio Biologics in the Beijing Institute of Biotechnology in early 2020. Now, this is that's the one I was showing you a moment ago. That this is this one right here, and it says a single dose viral vector vaccine for COVID nineteen developed by CanSino Biologics is conducting is conduct it conducted its phase three trials. I mean, they already did one and two in Argentina, in Chile, in Mexico, in Pakistan, in Russia, in Saudi Arabia. All oh, was forty thousand participants. Yeah, let's pretend like this ha that hasn't been. I mean, completely spread throughout the world population. That's interesting to me. So an AD5 vector injection, which they already told you is potentially causing an increased susceptibility to HIV, has been widely tested around multiple countries around the world. And this is 2021 we're talking about. Next part, it says, and this is under another one, H85. And there's a bunch of them in here, by the way. Take your time if you want to go through these all. It says the, a the H85S fusion plus EDSD vaccine developed by Immunobio, Immunity Bio, right? A, a United States aspect. And, and uh, Nant K West, so you can see USA, was therefore designed to deliver both the S fusion and the N EDSD proteins, which are engineered versions of the SARS-CoV-2 spike. Of course, because we want to keep making that spike, right? Because that's obviously what we all want in our body, the very thing that causes the problems and nucleocapsid proteins, respectively. So in the United States, they also have one that is right now being tested and used in the population. I find that to be very relevant. Here's another one, AD COVID. Another way to induce mucosal and systemic immunity is IN vaccination. Of course, they want to create mucosal immunity because the injections they're swearing are safe and effective and the miracle they want, don't do that, <laughs> which means they don't work. But they'll keep making other things and pills and everything and pretending that thing is the best thing since sliced bread. But another way to make the thing that we're not doing with these other injections is IN vaccination. Add COVID developed by Altimmune Inc. is an 85 vector encoding the receptor binding domain of the spike protein that showed encouraging immunogenicity results after a single IN administered in mice. AD COVID is expected to be tested in double blind, randomized, placebo controlled human phase one starting in February 2021, right now. Isn't that interesting? So a specific 85 vector injection, which has this the potential to increase your susceptibility of COVID or of, of whatever we're talking about, whatever we're calling this, HIV, AIDS, AIDS, is currently being tested on people in the United States right now, as of the beginning of this month. Weird correlation. Now, look, there's a bunch more in here. Here's the last one. 
Guess what? Sputnik V. What do you know? Sputnik V is a vaccine candidate developed by Gamalia Research Institute in Russia. The vaccination protocol consists of two-dose regimen utilizing two human adenovirus. 8026 as the prime, but guess what? 85 as the boost. Look at that. So broadly in Russia right now, people are being given the 85 vector injection as the booster. Look at that. The booster being the, the latter part of this, right? Which seems to perfectly correlate with what we're seeing right now. Rip through the population, which is what they're calling HIV or, or AIDS, which seems to be simply a problem being can reached by this part of it or the next part we're going to get into. Either way, this is such a valid question that's not being this being that's not being acknowledged that it, it really upsets me that people are dismissing this, but we've been seeing this happen for quite a long time. I think right now what we're realizing, hold on, I got to do something right? really seems quickly. seems to perfectly correlate. There we go. Okay, somebody already got it. Is it this is a valid question? whether or not this is causing the problem we're seeing based on the fact that plenty of other scientists and doctors have said, yeah, that's a concern. Then they say, well, we stopped that one. But wait a minute. What about the other five or six that are currently and have been tested in the population? Now, here is, jumping forward to October 14th, 2021, fractioning fractionating a COVID-19 85 vectored vaccine improves virus-specific immunity. It says we performed mechanistic studies in mice to understand how the priming dose of an adenovirus-based SARS-CoV-2 vaccine affects long-term immunity to SARS-CoV-2. So now we're standing on top of everything else and going, let's insert this into it and see if it helps what's happening. So why from every angle are they trying to insert this 85 concept before, middle, afterward? It's a good question. It says, we first primed mice with the adenovirus stereotype 5 vaccine, encoding the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, similar to that used in the CanSino and Sputnik 5 vaccines, right? This is testing something as of October 14, 2021, that we, they're admitting has the potential to cause this problem. There's endless angles where this is potentially happening. Now, this comes out and says... Well, the number of new HIV diagnosis in heterosexual people is higher than in gay and biosexual, bisexual men for the first time in a decade. Straight people are far less likely to be diagnosed. Okay, well, that's interesting timing, right? After everything we just showed you, coming up from October 14, 2021, all of a sudden, February 7th, they go, look at this. It's all, all of a sudden swapping. It's changing. And I said, well, gee, I wonder what was different in the last couple of years. I wonder what could have changed that. Obvious. The question that should be asked, not to say that that's proven, but the fact that nobody's asking it in the mainstream or otherwise is very revealing. Now, here is another study, another point saying SARS-CoV-2 uses similar strategy to HIV to infect defense cells. This is October 28, 2020. Now, you'll find a lot of this back then. Just showing you that these things seem similar. Now, how is that? It's possible, right? They could have a similar effect, a similar issue, but... When you continue to see them go, okay, well, wait a minute, we see HIV inserts, which draws to mind the conversation we're talking about here, or rather, uh, whichever one had it lined up. In any case, I wasn't hoping, I thought I left it on the HIV picture, but in any case, the idea that they're showing you 
the HIV insert right there. Like, I got lucky. Doesn't it seem similar to what we're talking about the same thing? Like in, in putting a clamp on this spike protein with HIV. So over here, we're talking about potential inserts in the original problem that people like Luke Montagnier are pointing out. I'm asking an honest question here about whether or not this is the same thing. Here it says, novel coronavirus attacks and destroys T-cells just like HIV. Now, is this the novel coronavirus or is this the kind of thing we're talking about? That This was created by what they're giving people and it's causing the same problem. I, w- I really need people to ask this, especially when we get into the next part here. Here is what I genuinely think is possibly happening. Now, this is the only connection I can think of. And this is just me hypothetically thinking about this in regard to the insert discussion. Right. So now we're talking about the third conversation. We have the Queensland clamp and whether or not that caused a problem. We have the idea that the 85 injections still being used and tested could be causing a in- increased susceptibility to whatever this is, HIV, AIDS, whatever we're talking about. Well, specifically AIDS, that would be what we would talk about. Then we have the conversation of the original concept of SARS-CoV-2 and whether or not this was manipulated and added things like a HIV inserts. This is from India Today. mRNA technology pioneer says COVID-19 vaccinated people can shed spike protein. Twitter deletes it. We talked about this at the time. So the question becomes, if you're giving people something, whether it's the Queensland, whether it's the 85, whether any one of these they're testing, they're creating the spike protein in your body, which the Queensland one has an HIV insert. We know that the other ones have the potential to increase your risk of HIV, right? The question then becomes, Are these ones they're testing with this component creating something that can shed and then people can get sick with and then causes the same problem, right? That would explain why these things being given can create the thing that spreads and then causes the very thing we're seeing, whether it's VADs, immune dysregulation, it's creating in a situation where your immune system is collapsing. Now, that could be why we're seeing the spike proteins or the, the specific insert on the original thing spread from people to people or why the injections they're giving that have that component spread from people to people. All you really need to understand is that they've acknowledged, and I'll show you the research, that the spike protein alone can cause disease, which means it causes symptoms, which means it can be spread and caught again on top of the fact that it can shed, whether it's an injection that isn't creating it in your body or whether there's something else causing it in your body. One of the pioneers of the MRA technology, Luigi Warren's Twitter account has been suspended and he got it reinstated, but this was May 31st, 2021. Now it says, excuse me, case in point, Twitter recently suspended the account of Luigi Warren, apparently for violating Twitter rules. Luigi is now penalized. Tweet, tweet, a tweet addressed his views on whether spike protein is shed by people vaccinated with MRA vaccines. For those unaware, Luigi Warren is the current president and CEO of of Cellular Reprogramming, Inc., a biotechnology firm based in California. More importantly, Luigi is renowned for his work with Derek Rossi, the co-founder of the famous biotechnology company Moderna. Back in 2010, Luigi and Derek worked together to be the first to describe mRNA-based reprogramming in a path-breaking paper in Cell Stem Cell titled, is that a Cell Stem Cell? It's interesting, is that a paper? Titled, Highly Efficient Reprogramming to pluripotency and directed differentiation of human cells with synthetic modified RNA. The work was named one of the top 10 scientific breakthroughs of 2010 by the journal Science, as well one as 
uh, as well as one of the top 10 medical breakthroughs of the year by Time Magazine. Just laying the reality that this guy is not somebody that can be dismissed by the mainstream as some conspiracy theorist fringe doctor even though they tried to do that and they censored him and they got embarrassed by it. In short, Luigi is one of the pioneers of the prevalent applications of mRNA technology, possibly including the code vaccines themselves. Twitter deleting his post on the grounds of fake information seems to be a bit far-fetched move in disguise of a fact check. Now, here's his tweet, and I'll show you right here especially because I love how Andy Swan pointed this out. My favorite thing today is thinking about how Twitter suspended the inventor of mRNA technology for saying that that, and that's not actually incredibly, it's more about more so the the discoverer of the mRNA uh, component for saying that vaccinated persons could shed the spike protein. And then Andy Swan got this deleted because that's why it's on the way back machine. It's ridiculous. But the point is, as both this point, this is showing you, he wrote, I believe, quote, the shedding idea is that the vaccinated shed spike protein not virus. And it's certainly true that people vaccinated with mRNA vaccines do shed spike protein. But in minuscule amounts, he says, that almost certainly can't cause disease in others. Now, that's important. Now, here's the point. He has since very much changed his perspectives in a lot of ways and is very, just go look at his Twitter account. Look at, he's right in line with Dr. Malone at this point. The point is, That's what he's saying, because at that point, he was under the impression that it was only creating a very small amount of spike protein. That's not true, and it's been proven to be wrong. So the point is, when you go forward, and you realize this guy was censored for pointing out that it can spread, which means that the other things can spread, whether adenovirus or whatever we're talking about, you then realize that it's a lot more than what we were told. And this has already come out. It It doesn't stay just in your shoulder. It's shown very clearly to produce multiple spike proteins continually, and it continues to spread through your bloodstream, which is why it can then shed in higher numbers, especially. Now, here's what it says. This is clinical infection diseases from Oxford Academic, circulating severe acute, circulating SARS-CoV-2 vaccine antigen detected in your blood, the plasma of the people who got the injection. 11 of 13 participants showed detectable levels of the protein, the spike protein, as early as day one after vaccine. Now, that very clearly shows you this is not some small amount, okay? That's massively producing. And that's why people are having these problems. This has been discussed by plenty of experts that Asian called this before this was verified. Blood clots, heart attacks, that's what's happening, guys. So the point is, now that we know that it's producing a lot and it's not just staying in the small area, now this calls back into question this point. It can shed, but then when you realize it's spreading to that degree and they're lying about how small it is and where it stays, his opinion changes. And now we realize that this very clearly can continue to spread. And here's the Salk Institute telling you, as of April 30, 2021, the novel coronavirus spike protein plays an additional key role in illness. Novel coronavirus spike protein The researchers, collaborators show how the protein damages cells and how proving this research that the spike protein alone was enough to cause disease. Now, be clear about that. This is one of many studies that found this. That means that it can cause, if the spike protein sheds, which means you can pick it up, which means you can catch it, which means it can cause disease, which means you can then spread it. Now, when that happens, is that that COVID-19? I don't even know. But it's very clear that that's a very clear logical extension of what this can do. But then ask your question, if that's causing something from the Queensland side of this that has a clamp on it, can that then cause the same response? Maybe it's just antibodies. Maybe it's something else. 
On top of that, what about all the other 85 injections that are currently being tested that can do the same thing? Is that causing this to spread? These are very real, valid questions based on the science. And with what we see happening and the weird shift in HIV, which we'll finish with today, it's a valid, valid question because of how weird this timed shift is, even as we're, especially as we're seeing this stuff proven. Not that it's happening, but proven that there's a valid, that this is something that scientifically speaking is a valid question to ask. Now here is what we've talked about before in regard to the, the original concept of SARS-CoV-2 and whether or not there were inserts. Now, this is something that's been withdrawn, but there's plenty of other discussions we'll go through. And the point is the same, that this is just like the other discussions we're seeing about withdrawn papers and the scientists are going, what do you, how does it make sense? The editorial team withdraws these things because of pressure. The science is very valid and you can look at it for yourself. That's a, there's a reason this is a preprint, but you will see a lot of things that were peer reviewed that then still get pulled, which doesn't make any sense because the very process shows you that other doctors and scientists have peer reviewed it, depending on the case and said, yes, it's valid. And then the editorial team pulls it back because of political pressure. As Dr. Malone said, this is incredibly unprecedented. But it says uncanny similarity of unique inserts in this 2019 NCOV spike protein to HIV-1. We found four insertions. Now, again, even whether it's pulled back or not, doesn't this suddenly seem incredibly relevant? We found four insertions in the spike protein, glycoprotein, which are unique to SARS-CoV-2 and are not present in other coronaviruses. Importantly, amino acid residues in all the four inserts have identity or similarity to those in HIV. The findings of four unique inserts in SARS-CoV-2, all of which have identity similarity to amino acid residues and key structure, structural proteins of HIV, is unlikely to be fortuitous in nature. Of course, you can see why this was aggressively pushed back. So again, the point is, if this is happening, and if the inserts have the spike protein, we can clearly see why this would eventually create what we're seeing today. And then especially, then you find that if you take that information, make an injection out of it, all you're going to do is can compound the problem. You're giving people the spike protein that has inserts from HIV, which cause these problems, which can then spread and continue to cause the problems. Pretty simple. And we're talking about, what, I mean, whether we're talking about immune dysregulation, lymphocytopenia, you know, or, or acquired immune, you know, VADs or whatever else we're talking about. Again, it, the name is seemingly irrelevant right now because all we're seeing is very clear problems with the immune system. And I, all I'm asking is whether that was the exact same thing that was happening after HIV. It was because of what they did as opposed to what they claimed it was causing. Here is an interesting paper that you might, uh, just so you can see the title really quickly, from, come on, load for me, pnas.org. It says, super antigenic character of an insert unique to SARS-CoV-2 spike supported by skewed TCR repertoire in patients with hyperinflammation. Now, there's a couple interesting parts in here that I want you to see. Before I do that, I'm going to play something really quickly because I have to do something very quickly. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? Apologize for that. As you go, as many of you well know, I, I have a, a, a lovely animal here with me that sometimes very, very rarely causes me to disrupt the show. But so getting into this important point, this is really interesting to me because of what it says in regard to the crossover of HIV specifically. Now, this is discussing what they found 
And it's not, this isn't specifically about HIV, but this is an interesting part that it kind of sidesteps into that. It says, we further noticed that the same segment bears close similarity to the HIV-1 glycoprotein. GP120SAG motif F164 to V174. Now, really specifically focusing on the glycoprotein GP120SAG. Now, it says this close sequence, similar similarity to both bacterial and viral SAGs in support of the potential superantigenic character of the stretch Y674 to R685 of SARS-CoV-2S. Spike directed us to further analyze its local sequence and structure. Our analysis led to an interesting sequence similarity between the fragment T678 to Q690 of SARS-CoV-2S and the SEB superantigenic peptide T and a bunch of letters. And it says this, Dodi cap, excuse me, Dodi cap peptide sequence shows strong conservation among a broad range of staphylococcal and streptococcal SAGs. Now, here's the point. What is even more interesting, remember the HIV SAGs we're talking about down there, is that SARS-CoV-2 motif showed a palindromic behavior, which is interesting, sort of like a adaptable concept with respect to the superantigenic SEB sequence in the sense that a broader stretch from E661 to E or to R685 could be aligned to the SAG peptide in the reverse direction as well. This brings our attention to the versatility and high propensity of the SARS-CoV-2S TCRV8 binding site residues to potentially elicit an SAG-like response. How interesting is that? There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. (laughs) My apologies. There's going to be one more. I'll tell you that right now, but let's just get through this and I'll play something different next time. So that's an interesting correlation right there for me, right? That what they're talking about is binding site residues to potentially elicit an SAG-like response. Doesn't that, I mean, remember, we're talking about down here specifically HIV glycoprotein GP120 SAGs. Now, is that suggesting that you're potentially creating that same response? That's very interesting to me, right? There's a lot of this stuff out there. Here is another one in regard to the lab leak theory, which we're going to touch on in another show. It's very interesting. You've probably all seen these things coming out around the the weird, interesting kind of re-discussion about the the barcode errors and the, well, we found this in Antarctica on the ground. And there's, I, I'm not, there's a lot of that that I think is very untrustworthy. Regardless, I always think the lab leak theory is a completely limited hangout. Even if it was from a lab, let's understand that the idea of a leak, that's accident, you know, it, it just doesn't, I don't buy it today with everything we know. So I think the lab leak is sort of a way to get us to pin it on China and say that, oh, they it was a mistake or rather they did it on purpose. But you'll never be able to establish that kind of narrative in the United States because how dare you suggest we were doing that? That's fake news, except China's doing it. You know, it's ridiculous. As you should know by now, my concept is beyond this. The, the reality that this is a larger conversation and they're being manipulated, I think, is the real point here. 
But uh, as I do one more thing, I'm going to play this last clip for you. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Well, relevant clip nonetheless. Clearly something that's also happening. But here we are with the lab leak theory. Indian scientists had flagged unnatural insertions, insertions in its genome. We're forced to a draw study. You see what I mean? This is what keeps happening. It's not the scientists. It's not the peer review process. It is the people with the political agenda forcing people who are doing, you know, I mean, I, I, let's just say scientific research that should be, val- should be uh, engaged with as opposed to just removed. And, and they're not allowing people to consider what is a very valid thing, a very valid conversation being pointed out by Nobel laureates and plenty of other scientists. But the ultimate point here is that this is something to consider in regard to how this could have been manipulated in regard to not, in my opinion, a leak. But even if it was a leak, let's make sure we're understanding that that means it's a bioweapon, right? They're making something like this. And that would include both the United States and China and whoever else is involved, not one or the other. But however this goes... We're talking about a spike protein with either a HIV clamp or AD5 concept. Or again, how about we just poke into this and ask the real question about whether what the mRNA injections are causing is the same damn thing. And I'm not connecting that in regard to HIV, right? In the concept of our minds that ties back to AIDS, which people, most people don't even associate with the term. They just, you know, that's a conspiracy theory in their minds that what we're just simply talking about is a destruction of the immune system, lymphocytopenia. Now, we know the injections of the mRNA are doing that, too. So now we can establish that the, the potential clamp concept that caused these problems in people's bodies could have spread, or the idea that the 85 injections still being used and tested could have caused this to spread, or the fact that the mRNA injections are simply just destroying your immune system. It all seems to be the same damn thing. These are questions we should ask. Now, here's an interesting tieback. Now, here's what I actually should have done to do... <laughs> play this for you and run off, but I'm good now. The point is, this is something that somebody shared with me that I had forgotten about that I discussed. And this is actually a clip. This is an excerpt of Daily Wrap-Up 131, I think it's 20 or 20. I forget forget which one this was. The, the link is right here for you to check out. Actually, I bet you that's deleted because YouTube doesn't let these things stay up. But take a listen real quick to what we're talking about. And please disregard how much different, how different I look <laughs> in this one, this one clip. But this is really important. This is talking about when they first discovered this, and we were on this all the way back in 2020. There was a very, very important article that Whitney Webb published on The Last American Vagabond about this topic. I was going to really just go through this whole article today, but we had a lot of other things that popped up today. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what the article was written and the information therein and what happened today and how interestingly enough, Whitney Webb, to me, And based on the evidence that the coronavirus that we're looking at, the novel new coronavirus, as well as a whole bunch of other viruses, are man-made. Which, interestingly enough, as I pointed out recently, thousands of different virologists and people across the world have all been commenting for quite a long time that things like SARS and MERS and foot and mouth disease and HIV, AIDS, these things are man-made. And they're not Lyme disease and on and on and on. Not even shying away. This is the facts that they're showing you. The Western media just simply doesn't care to talk about that. Here's a first note that I want to point out that I thought it's just something to kind of categorize in the back of your mind in case it becomes relevant later. World Health Organization announces the death of Peter Salam, a former Ebola response leader, and says that he died suddenly 
on Thursday. And that's all we get. It's interesting, right? I mean, so you can understand just in, in the general discussion of whether we're talking about maybe something being covered up or withheld or lied about, who knows why somebody might suddenly die with no explanation who's tied up in all of it, including Ebola, including all the things we've talked about before. Or how about now with all the stuff we know, maybe just a vaccine cover, that's all we hear now, right? Suddenly died, nothing else. Interesting tied to where we are today. So just think about that. I found it very interesting that that's all that's said. Not, you know, he died from this or how or where or where, just that he suddenly died and it moves on to, and his family and everything else that goes on. I found that to be interesting. And before we get into the coronavirus discussion, there's a couple of articles just to quickly point out. DARPA's making insects that can deliver bioweapons. This is from 2018, right? DARPA, it's exactly what we were just talking about. Israel's ethnic weapon. Hmm, that's interesting. That's from 2016. Israel's reportedly developing a biological weapon that could harm Arabs while leaving Jews unaffected. That doesn't seem relevant at all to everything we're talking about today. The point is to recognize these things have been going on for a long time, well before even these articles were talking about it. But now suddenly it's like that's not even allowed to be discussed. We won't even reference this. We can't even counter this discussion by maybe even China. somebody's doing it unless it's talking about China. Right. Isn't that interesting? And look at where we are now, how weird this went from you can't even utter the word bioweapon or lab leak or any of that. And now once they said it's okay on a dime with no logical reason why they suddenly changed their mind, they just said, okay, now you can talk about it. Go ahead, people. Now we're giving you permission to discuss that topic. Oh, thank you, government. Right? And then everyone jumps into, oh, now we're waving in front of Fauci and you, we know everything. Garbage. I don't buy any of it. Rand Paul or any of it. This is obviously not legitimate when we've been screaming and they know what's been going on long before this. It's funny, someone in the chat says, Ryan, you should clean up those browser tabs. No, I don't. Every single thing in that tab is all part of the show. <laughs> Maybe you're new. How is that not, I guess, a red flag at the very least? Here's another one. Criminal behavior, U.S. may be developing biological weapons. 2018. Okay, these things are clear. And there's a gap there where suddenly this discussion just sort of disappears, which brings us to the point today. Oh, my God, Indian scientists have just found HIV, AIDS, virus-like insertions in the 2019 novel coronavirus, the one that's happening now, that are not found in any other coronavirus. They hint at the possibility that this Chinese virus was designed, as they say, not fortuitous, right? Didn't just happen by chance. Scary if true, indeed. Here is the place, the, the uh, site that it's coming from. Bio RXIV. Here is the actual first part of it we're going to get into. Uncanny similarity of unique inserts. People don't like that today. Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, right? The- <laughs> it's funny watching myself. But what, what's interesting is how, you know, we this is right in the beginning, right? And that's before it was pulled away. It's interesting how they were dismissing and calling it fake news before it was actually retracted and they forced it to be retracted. The point, guys, is that there was a lot of us that were on this long before this. I, I, I pointed out plenty of them in early days, people like Spiro and plenty of other people that were very attuned to what's going on here. Here's a good discussion. I think I'm pointing to Spiro's interview with Dr. Boyle, who that is. New coronavirus declared bioweapon by author of U.S. Bioweapons Act. Very interesting. Now, again, you know my the evolution of my perspective about all this. I'm, I mean, at this point now, especially with Dr. Danny Rancourt's research and everything else, that it's I feel far more likely... If there, if, if, even if there was something that was created, that this was far more an illusion than anything else. And that's easy to, to at least argue mathematically speaking. But the last point in this little part of it is that we have to remember, even Fauci himself, 
It said, well, this title from the New York Post, Fauci was warned that COVID-19 may have been engineered, an email show. Now, there's plenty of these that have circulated, one of which that gets kind of pointed at, in my opinion, too much is the one where the guy is posting what he's re- pulled from some other report that just lists what he thinks is happening and why somebody telling Fauci what they think is happening is more relevant. I'm not really sure, but it's important. There's a lot of emails in there. But then it says here, and this is the important, there's a lot of emails that came out of this. This is a valid email. You can look up for yourself. This is email from Fauci to Kirsten G. Anderson. It says, thanks, Kirsten. Talk soon on the call. In response to her saying, hi, Tony. Thanks for sharing. Yes, I saw the early the, this earlier today, and both Eddie and myself are actually quoted in it. It's a great article, but the problem is that our uh, phylogenetic analyses aren't able to answer whether the sequences are unusual at individual residues, except if they are completely off. On a phylogenetic tree, the virus looks totally normal, and the close clustering with bats suggests the bats serve as the reservoir. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. Look at that. That's, that's not, again, she says potentially, but what she's saying is to her, when you look closely, it looks engineered. Says we have a good team lined up to look very critically, critically at this, so we should know much more at the end of the weekend. I should mention that after discussions earlier today, All of them find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Very clear. But we have to look at this much more closely, and there are still further analyses to be done, and those opinions could still change. Now, remember, other emails have continued forward, and the point being is that this is something, and remember, his response, thanks, Kristen, talk soon. No pushback. Mining coronavirus genomes for clues to the outbreak's origins. Pretty interesting. So even they, at a time when they were laughing and dismissing this concept, were very, this is June 1st, 2021. Remember how many times they were dismissing this. And don't forget that the email itself was on February 2020, right in the beginning. So we're pretending and Fauci and everybody else were actively censoring and dismissing this discussion while they themselves were going, it's certainly possible. And then finally letting you discuss it way down the line once they, I don't know, change things, cover things up, who knows? Now, finally, on this end of this point, remember that frontline news, frontline doctors, and a lot of other people on December 6, 2021, were saying vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome, VADES, and remember, this is the important part, is acquired immune deficiency syndrome is the acronym for AIDS. Now, what's interesting is people don't put that together. The average person, if you say vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome would just think you're talking about some kind of immune problem. But when you say vaccine-induced, you know, AIDS created by the vaccine, people immediately dismiss that as ridiculous fake news. Because I don't even think most people recognize that AIDS is what an acquired immune deficiency, right? That's the important part of this, which could be caused by plenty of things. Simply an immune deficiency is literally what we're seeing today. So just because you associate it with HIV and AIDS, you've been trained to dismiss that. Because there's a lot of potential problems around that connection, which Dr. Bailey is pointing out, that they've labeled conspiracy theory. And that's how that works. But they're telling you, quote, we should anticipate seeing this immune erosion more widely. And guess what happened? I mean, it's obvious that they called this and literally were watching it happen. Now, the point is that they're dismissing this as ridiculous fake news, even as it's very plausible And very obvious that these other doctors and experts were saying this is what's coming before it happened. Quote, if immune erosion occurs after two doses and just a few months, which we've seen 
How can we exclude the possibility that effects of an untested booster will not erode more rapidly and to a greater extent? Now realize again, immune erosion, we're not talking about the vaccine not working. We're talking about your immune system failing to produce the results that should be produced. That's your body hurting, not the injection failing. I mean, you could look at it both ways because the injection is causing the problem that's making that happen. But the ultimate point is your body is the one being hurt and, and altered. Now, this is a Lancet study comparing vaccine and unvaccinated and unvaccinated people in Sweden was conducted among 1.6 million individuals over nine months. Large, you know, not your little one city in Kentucky 30-second study the CDC pumps out. No, we're talking about 1.6 million people across nine months. It showed that protection against symptomatic COVID-19 declined with time, such that by six months, some of the more vulnerable vaccinated groups were at greater risk than the unvaccinated peers. Now, we've since found out that that's much lower than just six months. I didn't include them today, but I've shown you three different studies that all very clearly map out that after three months, and in fact, immediately, it wanes and stops working. By by three months, it's non-existent. That's why they're desperate to push that three-month time frame. Here's the one that I keep showing in regard to the very clear breakdown in regard to Omicron or even Delta for that matter. Sorry, this is out of, this is fuzzy. I I didn't have time to grab the other one that I've been showing. I couldn't find it. Same study, just there's a PDF that's more clear. Maybe I can do this actually. Let's see. That's still fuzzy. That's frustrating. Well, I'm sure that's not by, I'm sure that's totally accidental that it's out of focus, right? (laughs) No matter what you do. But the point is, as it shows you, or Pfizer, Omicron, that after one day, as I showed you, 55, that's relative risk reduction, but it gets down to 9% relative risk reduction by 60 days. That's absurdly ridiculous. That's meaningless. But then as we showed you after 90 days, after three months, it increases your risk. In fact, that's what it shows you before this as well, a different study, in fact, but it shows you that the first 10 days, you're also increasing your risk. So what they're pointing to you, this, this here is that there's a situation where people that have the injections are in fact more vulnerable than those who are just simply uninjected. That's not even factoring in natural immunity. Doctors are calling this phenomenon in the repeatedly vaccinated immune erosion or acquired immune deficiency. You see the point? Just because you associate AIDS with this concept does not mean that it's what you think it is. It's simply your immune system collapsing, accounting for an elevated incidence of myocarditis and other post-vaccine illnesses that either affect them more rapidly, resulting in death, or more slowly resulting in chronic illness. There's a lot more to read in here, by the way, but this is important. And the frontline doctors have been on this from the beginning, and that's why they're so desperate to dismiss them. And their own studies are making this clear. Again, despite the fact they want to pretend that 76% negative efficacy is an anomaly, how do you explain 9% relative risk reduction by 60 days? That's a completely broken reality. That does not make sense. That doesn't work. Look at the others. Look at Moderna. Moderna, it goes down to 4.2 in 60 days despite only increasing to or to be becoming negative efficacy of 39%. Still, four is lower. The point is that these things don't work immediately. 36%, 36% after one day between one and 30 days for Moderna and Omicron. You don't forget that under 50% is supposed to be no longer valid for emergency authorization, which continues to show you that it's not about being safe and effective. It's about barely squeaking by the risk-benefit ratio as they lie to themselves about that anyway. Neither of these things are working. That's what they're talking about. Now, don't forget the clips in the beginning. You're not only doing something that doesn't work, you're creating antibodies that are hurting people. And on top of that, dysregulating the immune system, you're catching other things. Cancers like Dr. Cole and plenty are telling you. Now, before we get into that to finish, it's important to understand 
where this is going. Health experts fear rise in HIV infections as COVID halted progress on treatment. Okay, so now yet again, they're blaming COVID because the COVID monster halted treatment, right? No, it was the, it was the lockdowns. It was the restrictions that stopped the treatments. It was your potential fear-mongering and the masks and everything else. I don't know why I said potential. Your obvious fear-mongering and the masks and everything else that caused people to be scared and not going for treatment. COVID didn't cause this action. The illusion you created with it and the lies you put around it are what caused this and your actions caused people to stop it. But that's not even what really happened. I believe this is a complete fabrication, but the point is they're, cre- they're, ca- they're, they're pointing to their own actions just like they are with the destroying of the economy and children having mental problems going, it's COVID, COVID did it. No, your lockdowns did it. So even if they want to point to it, they still caused it. June 4th, 2021. That was just the point, I guess. Health experts fear rise in HIV infections. So the point is now in the middle of 2021, they're already setting the table for a rise in HIV infections. Now, why would that be? Like, right? Like, why wouldn't the halting of the treatment be everything? A fear in cancer, a fear in everything, because nobody got treated. No, let's weirdly focus in just on HIV. They know something, guys. My gut and everything we're looking at tells me they knew something. And it's just like with everything else. Oh, look, shaking your bed, your your duvet, you, uh, your, your comforter on your bed can cause heart attacks. That's ridiculous. They're covering up the fact these things are causing heart attacks in children and everybody else. Just like this, in my opinion, they're floating the idea in the middle of 2021 that they'll rise in HIV infections before it happens. They must have been psychic. No, I think they knew what they were doing. Here is November 4th, 2021. COVID-19 pandemic could lead to an HIV surge in West Africa, Central Africa, says UN AIDS chief. Why would that be? And why in November 4th, right when Omicron seems to be kicking up? Almost like that's planned. West and Central Africa could see a rise in HIV infections and AIDS-related deaths in a few years due to disruptions in health services. Okay, so yet again, they're blaming what they did. But this is really interesting to me. In the same location we're talking about with Omicron and everything, generally, not not exactly specific with South Africa, but we're talking about how this is an area where this could have began, right? And now they're pretending they're going to see a surge in HIV. Right before, all of a sudden, we literally see what they claim is a surge in HIV in the United States, or specifically AIDS. Or I guess HIV, however they're framing it, basically. But either way, we're seeing a, a surge in the immune system issues. What they want you to think is AIDS. We're talking about things that are caused by the injections or everything else we're talking about. This is my opinion, them setting the stage. And here's, here's the master themselves, CNN. December 1st, as HIV cases rise globally, what? It's more important than ever to keep yourself safe. Experts explain what to do. Well, they're going to tell they're doing. Get tested, get tested. Check and make sure that's all of a sudden happening. Now, take notice of how every aspect of the COVID-19 agenda is just being dumped over into something new. The testing regime, the lockdowns, the, the restrictions, the vaccines, all of it. It's all going in the same direction. December 1st, 2021. Now, how did they suddenly, why focus on just HIV? Right before there's this big, massive push by the White House and everybody else to focus on HIV. Almost like there's a plan here. But you know what's even more interesting to me is I don't think that's happening. Here's UN AIDS right there. This is the point there. This is what they're discussing. Or uh, it does. Yeah, they're, it does reference in the article. But the point is, that's what everyone's pointing to. UN AIDS, the United Nations in regard to their push here. This is what we're talking about. This is the website, UNAIDS.org. Well, guess what they say? 
Well, 37.7 million people globally were living with HIV in 2020. But guess what? 28.2 million people were using therapies as of June 30th, 2021. So as of June 30th, there seems to be a pretty dramatic decrease in that problem, right? And you could check this with other places. So why then, in that time frame, were they going, oh, HIV? Look at, look at this problem that seems to be decreasing at the times you guys were talking about it, right? Look, this is June 4th, okay? This is being discussed, or excuse me, oh, right here, as of June 30th, 2021. So why in the world would they go, we fear a rise in the thing that's going down quite dramatically? Maybe because they knew what was going to happen. Either way, that doesn't seem to be very consistent, does it? Something weird, is am- something is amiss here is WHO releases HIV drug resistance report for 2021. And you'll find this is also quite contradictory. The report reveals that in 2020, 64% of focused countries, countries with a high burden of HIV infection, such as the ones we just pointed to, had national action plans to prevent, monitor, and respond to HIV drug resistance. These plans are informed by the Global Action Plan on HIV Drug Resistance between 2017 and 2021, a multi-stakeholder plan coordinated and published by WHO. The point is, they're, they're making headway, they're claiming. We're just, we're, most of these countries have plans in place, and they, you know, basically implying you're not going to, you wouldn't see what they claim is happening now. To that further point, the report indicates that the number of countries achieving high levels of viral suppression, more than, more than 90%, it says, meaning they're suppressing the problem, increased from 33% in 2017 to 80% in 2020. Isn't that strange? 80 to 90% throughout the years where you're claiming this is exploding, even though all of them have 90% viral suppression, so so says the WHO. Achieving high levels of viral load suppression in populations taking uh, antiretroviral therapy prevents transmission of HIV, HIV HIV-associated morbidity and mortality, and prevents emergence of HIV drug resistance. So go through and read this for yourself. The point is they're simply saying we're looking good. 90% of them are are like all these 64% of them have plans in place. They're ready to respond. 90% of them have high levels of viral suppression right now. Yet weirdly before that, we're like, we're worried. It's going to explode. Oh, look, it might happen over there in the place where they're doing really well. Does that make sense to anybody? HIV may rise globally, says CNN, based on what? Their simple argument is what? Because we locked down. So why focus on HIV alone? I'm not buying it. Not even remotely. Here's Johns Hopkins, of course, sticking their fingers in the mix because they don't have any stake in this game, do they? Guess when they said this? November 30th, 2021, right when Omicron was being a, becoming a thing. Population of people with HIV on treatment in the U.S. projected to keep increasing through 2030, even though it doesn't seem to be increasing at all. In fact, it seems it went down by quite a few million. Okay. But it's going to keep increasing, even though it wasn't. That seems like a wishful thinking kind of agenda. Well, it says the number of people with HIV using antiretroviral therapy, which is exactly what they were citing over here, which has gone down quite a bit as of June 30th, 2021 from 2020. That's what they're discussing. Make sure we're clear on that antiviral therapy. Well, here's what they're saying contradicts that. Those people using HIV antiviral, antiretroviral therapy to suppress the virus could increase as much as 36% by the end of the decade. (laughs) Now, why exactly would that be? And includes more older people representing a continued public health burden. According to a new projections led by the researchers at Johns Hopkins, you know, the group that was acutely involved with Event 201, why would that make sense to anybody? They're just projecting that by 2030, it's going to be super high, despite the fact that numbers have shown it decreased quite dramatically from 2020. 
maybe they knew something would change in 2021 to 2022. Seems pretty prescient. Well, here, as of December 21st, 2021, Omicron, South African scientists probe the link between variants and untreated HIV. Okay, this is a weird deviation from the whole discussion, but we've seen this come up quite a few times. And then all of a sudden they're coming out going, fake news, that's not true. But there was plenty of doctors and scientists or specifically scientists that were saying there's an interesting connection here. We already saw the connection from before, 85 and everything else. But here's another conversation where they're going, but wait a minute, people simply having untreated HIV who then take the injection for COVID-19, not knowing that, could be the reason these variants are exploding. Now, that seems like a very carefully, like self, I don't know, that doesn't seem like it, like, why probe into that one thing? Why would that be such a, like, there's plenty of other untreated issues that help hurt the immune system. Why wouldn't they be? You see, there's an interesting, weird correlation. And why South Africa? Something interesting here. But either way, that seems like a valid point in and of itself to say that somebody who has an immune problem and taking the injection, why wouldn't that cause something to explode? Well, obviously, it's what other scientists have already said, but they were so quick to kick this away. I think there's a reason for that. Either way, going to February 1st, 2022, right? So now we're into the beginning of this month. South African scientists will study the link between COVID variants and untreated HIV. Again, weird, right? So back here on December 21st, they were saying, we're going to do this. And I guess they did. And then they just said, we'll do it now again, as if it's a brand new story. Now, you know what that tells me? They want this in your consciousness, Right. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me to just put it out again as if it's a new story, because that's how they frame it. Scientists are set to investigate the COVID. Okay, well, that's exactly what happened back here on December 21st. Hail the discovery of Omicron or investigating the highly plausible hypothesis that emerged. Okay, there's something fishy here, very clearly. This is meant to put this in your mind. Now, the point is on February 1st, we hadn't heard about the new variants yet. Right? This is important to understand. They were poking into this. Maybe maybe, or, maybe, organically. Maybe that's not what they wanted you to look at. And then all of a sudden, two days later, boom! Highly virulent variant of HIV circulating in the Netherlands. Well, look at that. These prescient predictions about the explosion of HIV suddenly kick into gear. Based on what exactly? What caused this? As people jokingly said, and by the way, this was a variant that already has been there. We've talked about this already. It's been there since the 1980s. It collapsed after 2010, I believe, because they said they treated it. And it basically was moot. And then suddenly, something changes. Now, obviously, this is something that seems relevant again. That the people, whether it's untreated HIV or people that 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 are taking injections that are then causing themselves to create an immune deficiency disorder. You see the point there? You see the connection? And then leading to the same point, that they are the ones creating the problem and we're calling it HIV and it's simply Omicron or something else because of how you test for it and how you look at it, because we know that's wildly subjective today. Either way, the theorizing aside, can we not consider that this is in fact what that's causing? That's not necessarily a new variant of HIV, but rather specifically something that the injections have caused and it just looks like AIDS, VADES, HIV, however you want to frame it a valid question. This is February 3rd, 2022. Then remember, I thought it was weirdly the way that they came back around and were like, no fake news. This variant has already been there for decades. Well, yeah, that was the point. And all of the study, all of the places that wrote that made that clear. So I feel like this was a couched argument to make you go, oh, and then go, nope, you're wrong. 
But either way, it doesn't really show that anybody's necessarily wrong because the real question should be whether that is in fact what they say it is. And finally, another one on the same, on this, oh, excuse me, I believe this was, uh, oh yeah, that's right, I'm jumping ahead. In any case, Right, Netherlands, the same one to make it sure. So, and this is Nature pointing out highly virulent HIV variant found circulating in Europe. Like a lot of this became very quickly pushed out. And I think we need to recognize that these things could be crossing over. Now, what I want to think about now before we get into the end of this is why in the world we've seen this aggressive push based on everything we've seen, the uncertainties around all of it from from the White House, from other governments to suddenly champion the effort to fight cancer, to fight HIV out of nowhere. Except when you realize that these two things have been the aggressive focus for what? The mRNA platform. Long before COVID and now clearly while it's while we're in the midst of whatever this is. So I argue this is just simply a pivot into the next agenda, a next phase of the same plan. But as always, think for yourself and ask these questions, come to your own conclusions about it. Now, here is this really weird, out of nowhere, national HIV AIDS strategy for 2022 to 2025. Strange. Aren't we in the middle of the biggest pandemic of a century? Why are we focusing on that? (laughs) Right? Obviously, that's not the reality, but that's what they want you to think. We're all in trouble, except they are obviously rolling that back on a dime. You know, 30 seconds ago, we were all going to die. And now it's like, oh, living with COVID is okay. No, the masks don't work. And I'm living with and from whatever. But 2022. So on a dime, we're shifting into this focused plan for HIV and AIDS didn't seem like it was a huge, big, crazy problem 30 seconds ago. It's like we haven't even talked about it in 20 years, right? Well, here's the website for it. National HIV AIDS Strategy 2022 to 2025. As it says, the strategy reflects President Biden's commitment to re-energize and strengthen a whole-of-society response. That's alarming. To the epidemic while supporting people with HIV and reducing HIV-associated morbidity and mortality. So now all of a sudden we're in the midst of an HIV epidemic? I mean, this is going in the exact same direction. They'll probably call it a pandemic the moment they just decide to. Based on what metric? doesn't even matter anymore. Because by every metric before COVID, COVID COVID-19 was not a pandemic. Their own graphs made that clear, but they just don't care. It's more than that, long COVID and uncertainties and blah, blah, blah. It's how they always do it. As of right now, people are going, we need to go back to lockdowns because of what we don't know. That's not a joke. Yeah, that's called life, guys. <laughs> There's always been risk in life, but you know, trust your government. The point is, this is Biden's plan, or rather, let's be clear, your government's plan, whether left or right, to drive in a whole of society response to the new epidemic that wasn't. Then we see a big increase in recent PrEP users. Maybe you don't know what PrEP is because most people probably don't because it's an HIV drug that's now suddenly just approved out of nowhere. Big increase in the recent PrEP users among new HIV cases, largest UK clinic reports. All of this, clearly, by the way, if this is happening right now, this has been going. They didn't just trip over this and two days later go, this is the thing. This has been ongoing. These trials and these clinics, this has been happening behind the scenes. How does that make sense? Big increase in the recent PrEP users, and they just approved it. HIV from CDC says providers, injectable PrEP is now FDA approved. Great. So they're waffling over approving the thing they've been jamming people's arms for three years, but now we just instantaneously approve this other thing? 
without any discussion, without any research. I mean, this is crazy to me. Not to say, I mean, you could argue they did it all behind the scenes, but why wouldn't this be a discussion that we've had before now? And are we really going to pretend the FDA just rapidly approved something in the middle of the biggest pandemic in a century while they're overwhelmed with all these? Obviously, you know, I'm going with their narrative. But they love to use that biggest thing and we're so overwhelmed until they just put it aside for a minute and go, oh, no, we're looking at this and cancers and everything else. But then when you poke in, oh, we're overwhelmed and hospitals are overwhelmed. And, but clearly they have time for all this stuff. You know, it just clearly doesn't add up. CDC's updated guidelines include important information about injectable prep. So here we go in another direction for a new injection. The pre-exposure prophylaxis. Don't you love how they're all about early treatment in other ways, but no, COVID-19, take your aspirin and shut up. But you can read more about this for yourself. One point down here, it says PrEP is short for pre-exposure prophylaxis. It is the use of antiretroviral medication to prevent acquisition of HIV infection. Here is a little video I want you to watch on the, on the PrEP, and you'll find interesting correlations to what they want you to do. It's almost like what they were just asking to do for COVID-19. PrEP, or pre-exposure prophylaxis, is a medicine that could prevent HIV. PrEP is for people who are HIV negative and at risk of getting HIV. Ah, okay, first point. It's the Rogaine analogy. So they're going, just take it. Who cares if you're sick? Do it and you'll be good. But there's always a percentage of people it doesn't work for. You'll probably fall into that category. The point is just take this no matter what. Gee, so we're all going to, that, by that logic, everyone should take this thing is what they're trying to push right now. It's for people, well, they're claiming it's people at high risk, but wait a minute, what happens when all of a sudden there's a pandemic of HIV, then we're all at high risk, there you go. Just start taking it, deliver it to your homes. I'm just, you know, theorizing. My point is, it's a never-ending thing that you just take it all the time. If you're at high risk. This includes people who have a sex partner with HIV, people who don't always use condoms, or people who have been diagnosed with an STD in the past six months. PrEP is also for people who are HIV negative and sharing needles or other drug injection equipment or have a drug injecting partner with HIV. PrEP is highly effective for preventing HIV through sex or injection drug use. PrEP does not protect against other sexually transmitted diseases. Only condoms can protect against STDs such as syphilis or gonorrhea. Visit your healthcare provider to see if PrEP is right for you. If you decide to take PrEP, you'll need to take it every day or it's prescribed by your healthcare provider. Every day? Think about that. Talk about a profitable drug for the big pharma. For more information about PrEP, visit cdc.gov slash HIV. Oh, I think, well, I think I was talking when it, the bottom line is not only the, the point I seemingly missed in there, which I saw the first time, was testing, right? They're calling for testing. They're calling for rapid testing, repeated use. This is an interesting crossover to the way we've seen this all go with COVID-19. It's just an endless crossover into the same situation. Testing, forced injections, especially if they deem it a public risk, right? We see where this goes. And they've already clean, shown you that that's acceptable, acceptable when they decide it's emergency, right? If they tomorrow decide we're in the middle of an HIV pandemic, they've already shown that they can do that, even though they, know we, they can't. They're, they're authoritarian, ty tyrannical governments. But the point is they, they pretend that they can't. We'll lock down again. We'll put on quarantines, right? But here's an interesting shift. All of a sudden, just like all the other stuff that they seem to know before we got here, here they are going, hey, go out and get tested for HIV. You know that thing that nobody's barely even talked about for 10 years? Yeah, go ahead and get tested just to be sure. Really? Get tested for HIV to protect others in the same way as for COVID. You can't be serious. 
So just now they want you to go out and proactively get tested for this. Something that you actually, something that you like, something that they pretended, like argued this whole time is not something that you can just catch by walking by somebody, despite the fact that that's what Fauci floated back in those times in the 80s and 90s, the same way they lied to you about stuff now. Why would you go out and get tested to protect somebody from something that you have to sexually transmit? I mean, that's crazy to me. It's because it's a test, in my opinion, that will be used as the impetus for the same manipulation. Either way, why in the world would you get tested to make sure you're not like that's sick until proven healthy? This is where this all goes. Listen to this. This is this is Prince Harry openly saying this. I mean, when's the last time you saw one of the royal family sit and make a video to you? Hey, peons, here's what you should do. <laughs> this is crazy to me. Other people can be tested. Also, from out from ah shoot, I thought that was much louder. Here, let me do this real quick. Grab it while we talk. Where was I? I lost my place. Okay. I mean, I, I do. I really think it's absolutely, it's it's a little scary or that's scary is the wrong word. I would say eerie, weird, right? It's a little strange to see one of the royal family sit up there and do this kind of thing, make a video about AIDS of all things. Oops, hold on. Is that the wrong spot? weird. Let's see if that one works. Dang it. <laughs> what do I keep doing wrong? Oh, that's what happened. Okay. Let's see if I can grab it. There we go. Finally. Other people can Okay. Play it for you real quick. be tested also from out from from outside of uh, risk groups then surely the people that were within those risk groups will feel more comfortable to be tested so therefore mm. every single one of us has a duty or at least an opportunity to to get tested ourselves to make it easier for everybody else to get tested and then it just becomes a regular thing like anything else but see you see what i mean like how does that even make sense what where did this out of nowhere like, I don't, even average people are like, what in the world just happened? Like, COVID just gets dropped? Like, after you were screaming and bleeding, we were all being dangerous and irresponsible like 30 seconds ago? And now it's just like, it's just your responsibility. You get tested, so they get tested. It should be a regular thing. Like, I'm just, there's not even logic behind that other than just that they're pointing at some new thing that we can't verify or rather is probably caused by something else. That's just very strange to me. If we're not getting tested and we're like, oh, you know, HIV... That's not that. How could that possibly affect me? That's affecting, you know, people over there. And it's like, no, it could affect you. But even uh, if you're absolutely convinced that it won't, do you want it? You should probably get tested because then at least you know your status. That to me was the biggest sort of turning point for me was like, just know your status. If you don't know your status, why would you not want to know your Right. Because that is sick until proven healthy. That's not how the law, that's not how this works. Right. This is the crazy part about it is he's literally telling you that you could all have it. Everybody can have HIV. And it's probably right now the point. And this is where we get into the idea that they want people probably to find out this is happening and blame it on something else. Right. Right now, you're all rush out and get tested and you find out, oh, I've got the thing they say. Now, is that HIV? Is that AIDS? Is it HIV or is it vaccine induced problems that then just get blamed to something else? It's the COVID-19 PCR and everything else all over again. The combination of flu and pneumonia. I mean, they have a lock on how they made this work. 
I, we cannot miss how this is the same exact problem, whether or not this is a real thing. It's alarming to me. I don't even know how anybody could make sense of being just running out and getting an HIV test just because. Finally, in this last point of it, we've seen a lot of this stuff over the past. And this is April 22nd, 2020. Just randomly, HIV AIDS specialist just explaining the similarities and the differences of COVID-19. And you'll just find that there are interesting correlations. Just, you know, kind of off the cuff. Just down here, there's very, very similar things. And I don't know why that's not relevant. Here is older ones, which are weirdly the same. 2003, cloaked similarity between HIV and SARS-CoV, suggesting an anti-SARS strategy. So suddenly, Dr. Boyle's claims and plenty of others about why SARS and MERS and other things were also bioweapons or manipulations. Why, in the, why is there so many close similarities? Between HIV, they're pointing out back then to SARS-CoV. Maybe because it was the first iteration of the same manipulation. Here's 2004, another article a year later going structural similarities between HIV and SARS-CoV, SARS-CoV and the spike proteins. It's very interesting how weirdly this ties back to everything that's happened before, all stemming back, by the way, to the same work and the same people. John Bowe points out, just interestingly makes a good point, question for doctors and scientists. Would I be correct in thinking this requested HIV test, which is what they're pushing right now everywhere, is not to do with HIV per se, but everything to do with immune deficiency brought on by the jabs? And of course, I posted my article down here just in case we want to read it. Good point. Excellent question. Whether or not it's because they want to find out if it's happening or because they want you to realize that they, you got it and blame it on something else. You know, all of a sudden, all those people sitting back going, thank God I decided to wait right now because not whether or not you see this or you just recognize the uncertainty, let's be very clear. No way that anybody can stand back and go safe and effective right now if they're even remotely paying attention. I mean, everybody seems to kind of go, even Lena Wen on TV was like, well, I don't know. We can prove that the boosters say, seriously? I mean, geez. I mean, I think right now people are counting their lucky stars that they decided to at least be smart about this and wait till something actually gets fleshed out, especially whether or not you think it's intentional or not. The simple malfeasance of our government is on plain display as far back as you want to look. Then you see where this goes. This shouldn't be a shock to you. February 1st, 2022, Moderna launches clinical trial of its, guess what, mRNA-based HIV vaccine. You know what? That's not new. This has been some, this is, they have been working and trying and testing for a long time. And in the middle of the biggest pandemic of the century, we're going to make it work? Apparently so. How much you want to bet it suddenly works now? Well, this is alarming. And this is the same platform and the same thing. New genetic code, pump it in, boom, bang, boom. New thing coming out. Just like that, already being tested on people. So ask yourselves this, guys. Could this not be the thing causing it? Same, just like everything else we're talking about? Certainly possible. And we're not, we're not, I'm not even talking about the 85 or the clamp. We're here talking about the mRNA concept and whether that simply leads to the dysregulation of your immune system for other reasons, whether spike protein related, whether the nanoparticle situation, whether the, the antibody-dependent enhancement, there's a lot of angles this could take. And all of them have been shown to lead to these similar problems or just the mRNA itself. But nobody cares in the mainstream. I know you guys do. Same point. Here's CNN. First patients vaccinated back in January. 
back to a week and a half ago in clinical trial of HIV experimental vaccine that uses Moderna's mRNA technology already being put in people's arms. Here's NIH from January 11th. Or wait, that was January. Okay, 31st. I was right. So it's like a little less than two weeks. This is back in the 11th. Experimental mRNA HIV vaccine shows promise in animals. Animals. There it is. What that shows you is that this has been ongoing. Ask why it makes sense even remotely for the NIH to be working on an experimental mRNA HIV vaccine while they claim they are overwhelmed with the biggest pandemic in a century. Because this is a plan. This has been worked on long before we got here. And then ask yourself why in the world they would do that when this was all all of a sudden it's a problem after they already have it working in animals, so they say. Good question. Finally, first mRNA HIV vaccines are given in new phase one clinical trial ongoing as we speak. And don't forget, they're doing working on the flu one. They're working on her, all sorts of ones. I forget cancer. They're working on all sorts of injections right now under the guise of this need using a new experimental platform, they say, that's in your best interest, despite that being obviously not the case. Based on what they're seeing, what they've done, the past efforts, everything in front of you shows you that this is the last thing you should be supporting. But it's already being tested and it's already being justified and used because it's, guess what, guys? In the biosecurity state they've created, it's no longer your choice. Thank you for all the people out there that allowed this to be built because you remove that choice for people that are fighting back right now because they are saying, too bad, emergency, danger, not your choice. That's what's been established. Now, finally, quickly, I just want to point out that the problem with some of this stuff that we've already shown you is that it's being misrepresented. We're already seeing a lot of this happen right now. Here, here is just a bit shoot video that's simply saying massive 50 million COVID vaccines were called as they trigger false positives in HIV. Well, no, that's incorrect because this is the Australian government talking back in 2020 about the United U- University of Queensland injection. But of course, this study, this art, this video doesn't in no way makes that clear and wants people to believe, which a lot of people do, that this just happened and that this is why we knew it. The HIV is happening now. And then, of course, when I come out and say, no, that's not true. Oh, you're a shill hiding the truth. And that's what people want to believe what they want to believe. And this is problematic. I'm not saying they should be censored. What I'm saying is we need to acknowledge that people that are putting stuff out without checking it are, in fact, a problem. Not the same way they're framing it. Not that I think they're going to lead to violence or they're going to be censored or whatever else. But we just need to acknowledge that we all need to do a better job in this. And myself included. I make mistakes, too. But here is another one. BBC admits they used HIV to make the vaccine and now they all have AIDS. And of course, the new COVID pills are really HIV medication. This is off the, it's not true. BBC, no, that's, this is the video we just showed you. The problem is that it's been shared like 533 times and everyone, this person says incorrect, info obsolete. The problem is that person is probably using that to debunk what I'm saying. The problem is that there's a valid, there's a valid point to be made there but not that that is the mRNA, which is what we considered in the beginning until we found out that wasn't true and that BBC admitted that the case. And this is the problem. This is happening a lot. Here's another one. BBC admits they use HIV to make the COVID vaccines. That's not true. That's simply not true. Now, of course, and this is a misleading tag and I hate to agree with it, but it is misleading. That's not to suggest it should be censored, not even remotely. People can be wrong. Here is how it should be done. By the way, a great account that you should follow which I just reached out to somebody today that they were referencing that was just broke my heart. I'll probably play it for you in another video. But this is how you should do this. And I give, you know, I want to give a shout out to, they say it's rare. 
December 2020, the Australian government announced that the HIV protein they used in a trial caused participants to show false positives for HIV. That's And that's hugely valid. To, it's important to where we are. And there's no need to misrepresent it. And you see it's the same clip. Really wanted for Christmas was a local vaccine, but... The University of Queensland vaccine um, will not be able to proceed. 50 million planned doses scrapped. Up. Okay, so 50 million planned doses that they had not yet made were just simply cancelled. That's what happened. Doesn't mean there's not valid points here that influence the whole conversation, which we already made. The point is that I applaud, they are they say it rare, for doing this the right way, and instead of just jumping to conclusions without doing their due diligence, which is what this is doing, which is what this is doing, and which is what this is doing. It's problematic, guys. I need I need to make that point because this is hurting the agenda, the effort to reveal the truth to people. I want to reiterate, not that they should be censored, but that we should acknowledge that they're doing something that's actually hurting the, the effort. Now, to finish off here, I want us to see that the debunk efforts, or actually, technically, I'm going to finish with the uh, the uh, Kit Knightley's article, but this is important. COVID-19 vaccines don't cause immunodeficiency syndrome, says a Associated Press, as of December 8th, 2021. Well, let's listen to what they had to say. After everything you just saw, you're going to love this. COVID-19 vaccines are causing a new illness called VADES. Short vaccine acquired immune deficiency syndrome is the claim. Well, AP's assessment, false. VADES isn't a real condition, they say, which is just hilarious because, it, because it's not in their definition book. It's simply like we're talking about. This is the, when you dive into the AIDS concept. All we're talking about is that a vaccine causes an immunity problem. Right? It, it's funny. Oh, nope, false, fake, it's not real. Uh, give me one second as I play something very quickly. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. Okay. Now it says false. VADES isn't real, they say. Not a real condition, nor do COVID-19 vaccines cause a syndrome matching that description. Except that's quite literally what we're seeing happen, but whatever. Like this is the dismissal of the, of the central idea that there's a connection to AIDS, as opposed to the reality that there's an immune suppression that we can very clearly prove. And by the way, Swiss policy research and other studies have already proven. But, you know, go ahead and do your thing, AP. An immunotherapy expert confirmed. <laughs> so they asked an immunotherapy expert who just tapped into what they're telling the narrative. What does CDC say? What does the government say? Oh, they're therefore fake news. That's their, that's their due diligence. As opposed to looking at the science, they go, what do you tell me it says, guy? Great job. But the facts, they say, doctors and activists with a history of spreading anti-vaccine misinformation, great start, right, are spreading fear about COVID-19 vaccines by falsely claiming the shots cause a new medical condition called vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. So instead of getting into the actual facts, they start off by undermining these people. Anti-conspiracy or anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists are saying something. So you see why it's fake, right? And here's actually how they get. So let's be clear before I even get into the next parts. There is no data here. They say, what do you say, expert? Fake news. Okay. Then, as I always show you, instead of pointing at people like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, and every other doctor that's telling you this is happening, the frontline doctors using their scientific studies and showing the stuff, what do they point to? Well, of course, widely circulating tweets and Reddit posts, because that's where it comes from. Of course it does. 
He, because that's how they fakely debunk things by acting like it's that post with three shares over there. That's where they're all getting it from, those dumb conspiracy theorists. You see how ridiculous that is? Does anybody buy this stuff anymore? Oh, what's the, what's the next paragraph? Well, a blogger named only Jack claims he invented the whole thing. This is actually what they're saying. In reality, it says that's that's their data part of it, right? They already that's all the facts you need, not the research, the studies, the investigations. Nope, Jack from from a blog and these Reddit posts. That's all you need. In reality, they say now they're their facts. There's no such thing as veins. The research there's no such thing as an, a vaccine induced immunodeficiency disorder. That doesn't happen even though we've literally seen that from other vaccines in the past, but fake news. And research shows the available COVID-19 vaccines provide recipients with increased protection against the coronavirus. Okay, research says the opposite. Fake, you know, see what I mean? Like it's just, they're pointing at what a CDC study said about how this thing actually helps you. Why pointing to what they say the vaccine can do in some way undermines that it doesn't cause it something else is beyond me. Right, so we're saying it causes this, this, this situation. And they go, but the CDC says it helps you protect against coronavirus. Okay, those are completely different conversations. But you see, this is how they debunk things. Given that billions of people around the world, I love that argument. They always love to do that. We've given millions of them. And because we fail to acknowledge the problems they've caused, can't you tell it's safe? Given that billions of people around the world have already been vaccinated against COVID-19, McFadden said, quote, this is like the classic conspiracy theory line. If such a thing as VADES existed... We would have seen it by now. <laughs> that is what a guy looks like when they trust authority and only listen to what they're told is happening. Instead of acknowledging what we are seeing, he looks at it and goes, no, that's fake because they told me it's fake. I don't see it. It's not there. La, 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 la. If such a thing existed, we would have seen it. How can, a cons- how can everyone in the world be on, you know, like that's a conspiracy theory argument, right? How can everybody be involved with hiding this thing? It's never that stupid and simple. It is always top-down control. This guy doesn't know that he's lying to you, right? That's the point. But it goes on to say, a search across legitimate, legitimate, that's clear what they think is legitimate. We know what that is. Biomedical literature. So anything that they disagree with is no longer legitimate. That's the point. I love that meme that says, of course, all doctors agree because you censor those who don't. (laughs) But it says they found no mention of vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Okay, so since the legitimate papers, which means they dismissed all the ones that do say it because they don't think they're legitimate, like how that works out, didn't mention this new thing that we're discovering today. Isn't that weird? I wonder why they didn't mention it 20 years ago or last week or whenever else. Because it's new. Great fact checking. This is the most, this is one of the worst I've seen by them. Research from the CDC and others shows that COVID-19 vaccines boost immune response. That is wildly untrue. I mean, this is the worst part about it. Their actual research, in fact, shows the exact opposite. We're watching the immune, they're they're the ones admitting immune suppression or immune, whatever the terms they're using. They're telling you it's happening in real time. And yet the fact checkers are going, no, the CDC says it works. It improves your immune system. Therefore, fact check. CDC said, see, so bad. I mean, I've never, I've, I've, and this COVID-19 experience has done one thing for me. It's more than ever made me realize either how willfully dishonest or how absolutely stupid some of these people are. The AP has debunked other false claims about how COVID vaccines affect the immune system. Get this, including claims that they destroy the body's T cells. We'll save that for another day, seeing as how it's very clear that they've shown many times to remove your immunity, but this is that they cause harmful phenomenon called antibody dependent enhancement. Oops, that's the wrong one. Oh, I I guess I didn't open it. 
Here's the funniest part about this. I've shown you guys this a thousand times. I think I even already referenced it in the show today. Here is a study from December 2020, December 4, 2020, that was peer reviewed on March 2021. Informed consent disclosure to vaccine subjects of the risk of COVID-19 vaccines worsening clinical disease. They're literally discussing antibody-dependent enhancement. And they're telling you the specific and significant COVID-19 risk of antibody-dependent enhancement, meaning that you can catch COVID after the injection and it increases your risk, should have been and should be prominently and independently disclosed to the research subjects currently in vaccine trials. And it says as, though, as well as those being recruited, as well as those taking the injection in order to meet the medical ethics standards of patient comprehension of informed consent. That is the most obviously clear study that was not only peer-reviewed, but they found exactly, I mean, verbatim, what this Associated Press fact check is saying is a harmful fake news story that they cause antibody-dependent enhancement and they lead to autoimmune disease. They are saying that's fake. They've debunked other false claims like antibody-dependent enhancement. This is, those, this is one of those moments where there hopefully is somebody out there who's watching for the first time, who's just watching to see how fake news we are, who's going, wait a minute, how can that be true? How can this peer-reviewed study on the National Library of Medicine, the NIH, that was peer-reviewed, that literally says in unequivocal tone, specific and significant risk of the exact thing that the AP is saying is completely fake news and debunked. How do you make sense of that? Unless you realize that they either don't know what they're doing, they're wildly incompetent, or they're willfully misleading you. It's as simple as that. And there is an endless string of examples just like that throughout this whole narrative. Here's another one. Debunked. This is from Euronews. COVID-19 vaccines do not create variants of HIV and AIDS. So here's the other part of it, right? In, in uh, updated February 10th. It's what's funny, though, is this is the same argument that these people over here were saying. These South African scientists were going, I think there's something happening here before this whole conversation exploded. Two days before, in fact. Isn't that interesting? And now they're coming out and going, well, fake news. That's not true. So that, tell, that suggests to me that what they were doing is not what they wanted to happen. But it says... False online claims have suggested an unfounded link between COVID-19 vaccines and HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. The misleading posts, you see what I mean? Claim that coronavirus jabs are creating new variants of unrelated virus to emerge. So they're pretending it's a bunch of posts on Facebook. Guys, this is so willfully dishonest when entire scientific groups from multiple countries were in fact looking into this exact claim. 11 days ago. And yet here they are with their debunk acting like it's some Facebook post that's saying this instead of saying, here are scientists legitimately finding that this could be the case. This misinformation has spread amid greater global awareness for HIV testing. Right. That's why in countries such as the United Kingdom and the United States, no clinical evidence, they say, has shown any link between COVID vaccines and AIDS. Now, there's their point. See, they want you to think, oh, AIDS, HIV, all we're talking, talking about is an immune disorder. There's been a hundred different links to COVID-19 injections and immune disorders. That's the point. And they're hoping you don't think about that too deep. And all you think about is what they claim was conspiracy theory before this. And global health authorities have dismissed the claims. What about these ones? Right? Oh, these don't count. Right? Because they disagree. Therefore, they're no longer legitimate. Exactly. The World Health Organization has reiterated that coronavirus vaccines are safe and effective and that any risks are extremely rare. Great, because they just said the repeated the talking points. Therefore, you're fake news. But anti-vax, and this is, here's the point, first of all, the second of all. 
There's no facts, just like with the other one. They start off by going fake news, fake news, fake news, because they said in misleading posts and WHO said, you're wrong. Okay, where did you prove that exactly? Where did you exactly debunk that? Your debunking is the same as that moron from CNN. Anti-science fake news, haha, <laughs> debunked. You're dumb. That's basically the epitome of what they're doing in their debunks. Snidely dismissing things and pointing at what other people say. That's ignorant. But then they shift away from it. That's the, that's the epitome of their, fa- their debunking. But then they shift into some really important stuff, pointing at other things that are unrelated, so you kind of tie it to fake news stuff in their mind. But anti-vaccine demonstrators are still being held, demonstrations in several cities, including the so-called Freedom Convoy Trucker. What does that even remotely have to do with this conversation? That's disgustingly obvious. They're just trying to go, oh, fake news, and there are two fake news anti-vax over there, fake news stuff there. It's all fake news. Don't we agree? Debunked. It says many online users have falsely claimed that COVID-19 vaccines are created a new disease, so-called vaccine-acquired immune. Now they're jumping in the other claim. So we apparently we're done with the first conversation. It wasn't debunked at all, but they claim it was. Posts, and here we go, posts, posts, referencing the term, have widely circulated on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. Oh, yeah, and also on peer and studies, peer-reviewed and otherwise, and entire scientific groups with highly credentialed experts. But yeah, but Facebook posts, because that's how that works. A spokesman for the WHO told Euronews that no reputable source, of course, no reputable source, because anybody that says the opposite of what we're saying is no longer a reputable source, has published the claims about VADES, and they call it misinformation. Other online users have falsely suggested a link between COVID vaccine and the new HIV variant recently discovered in the Netherlands. Yeah, you mean falsely suggested like the possibility that these scientists are all saying it's possible with 85? Are all those scientists completely debunked fake news to conspiracy theorists? Apparently so. Or we're just supposed to forget that this was even discussed, right? No, no, we're talking about something else. Those don't even exist anymore. It's becoming this easy to make this look stupid, guys. That's what's incredible to me right now. And I don't know why most people can't see it. Or I shouldn't say most, but why some people can't see it. However, the VB variant of the HIV, which is the one from the 1980s, is not new, as they, they now they want to make sure you know, is believed to have originated long before they existed. That's not believed. Good God. This is the, their debunk. I could show you this in 30 seconds. It's not believed. To re- it came from the 1980s. Their treatment stopped it around 2010. It became not really important anymore. Then all of a sudden, it just exploded. Because of what? What changed exactly? Oh, that's right. An experimental injection was put into the mix which seems to be causing variants in normal people. Why wouldn't it do it to people that have a suppressed immune system? It's quite simple, guys. But they just don't want you to connect the dots. Fact checkers have regularly debunked false rumors that COVID jabs reduce a human's immense immense system. <laughs> That's funny. I, I only just caught that. Yeah, make sure you trust the people that I shouldn't. People make typos, but I love how the mainstream will make such an obvious typo. I bet you that's intentional. So you don't think about the immune system, but it says have reduced a human's immune system and make it more susceptible to other diseases. Well, again, that's literally, I won't play the clip again since I've been forced to play it a couple times, but Ryan Cole, exactly what he's telling you. Oh, actually, you know what? I didn't play that one. It was, that was the first one. Here's the other one that you might've seen already, but I'll play it just because it's very relevant to this moment that Ryan Cole is also telling you, Dr. Ryan Cole, that this is exactly what he's seeing. I mean, literally what he's seeing, that this thing is causing your immune system to be hurt and other problems are exploding. But what we're seeing in the laboratory after people get these shots, 
we're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T-cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re a reverse HIV. In HIV, you lose your helper T-cells, your CD4 cells. In this virus, post-vaccine, what we're seeing is a drop in your killer T-cells, your CD8 cells. And what do CD8 cells do? They keep all other viruses in check. What am I seeing in the laboratory? I'm seeing an uptick of herpes family viruses. I'm seeing um, herpes. I'm seeing shingles. I'm seeing mono. I'm seeing a huge uptick in human papillomavirus uh, in the cervical biopsies and the cervical pap smears in women. In addition to that, there's a, a little infectious you know, bump that kids get called molluscum contagiosum. What do you need to keep that in check? You need CD8 uh, killer T cells. I am seeing a 20 times increase in individuals over the age of 50 of this little bump in rash. Um, you know, that's innocuous, but it, what it tells me is the immune status of these individuals who have gotten the shot. We're literally weakening the immune system of these individuals. Now, most concerning of all is there's a pattern of these types of immune cells in the body that keep cancer in check. Well, since January 1, in the laboratory, I've seen a 20 times increase of endometrial cancers over what I see on an annual basis. A 20 times increase. That's crazy. I mean, that's outrageous. And the point is exactly what they're telling you is not happening. Now, you could dismiss Dr. Ryan Cole because he's a conspiracy theorist, right? That's what they tell you, and it's easy to dismiss, which is what a child would do. But go ahead if you feel like that's the right thing to do. Here is where we're finding that the science, as, as you know, Dr. Ryan Cole is pointing to, but he's just doing a verbal interview. Well, here's there's plenty of peer-reviewed science and otherwise that are making very valid points about why what's happening right now is obvious. Here's Swiss policy research telling you <clears throat> and the studies right here, we, we've gone over this millions of times. Can COVID cause cancer? Well, they go, well, it doesn't appear to be carcinogenic. However, it has been shown that in up to 50% of people who take the injection, COVID vaccines can induce a temporary immune suppression or immune dysregulation called lymphocytopenia that could last about a week or possibly longer because that's when the study ended. The point was that's exactly what you're finding here, which I already showed you. It's the same idea to my, in my mind. You're seeing your immune system collapse in front of you. So they jam the injection back into you and it collapses even faster, right? That's where we keep seeing this happen. That's what they're telling you. And despite any of this, or in, in the point is, not despite, but on top of it, the point is that's what all these studies and fact checks are saying isn't happening. Antibody-independent enhancement, the idea that you're, there's no such evidence. I, and this is the other point too. <clears throat> what they're saying here, uh, wherever the last paragraph was, is they always say there's no evidence. That's different than proof. Even if you don't think this is true, it still constitutes evidence. So when they pretend there's no evidence, they're just lying to you blatantly. But what this shows you is exactly what they're claiming isn't happening. An effect on your immune system and their own data makes it unbelievably clear. Now to finish off, just a shade under three hours, <clears throat> another outstanding article by Kit Knightley. It's not there. It's not very long. And I only have a couple parts I want to read to you. <clears throat> As COVID crumbles, they're already prepping the next pandemic. The coronavirus may go, but from cancer to AIDS, the mRNA vaccines are here to stay, which was one part, one part of why I think this was all happening. I really believe the financial passport infrastructure, technocratic great reset idea is really what it's all about. But here, is one part of this. And the, and the mRNA platform was clearly important to the nanoparticle, nanotechnology agenda that they wanted to build. So I believe this is just the next part of it. As she does too, it would seem. The COVID-19 narrative is broken. 
but that the battle and the, that battle is over. But again, let's make sure we're clear that the battle in regard to what they're doing is not even it's just beginning. Yes, there are still pockets of token resistance, little embattled squares who aren't ready to give up the ghost just yet. But for the most part, the establishment are letting it go. I would argue just rolling it back more so. But it says country after country after country are relaxing, in quotes, their COVID restrictions, which means they're still there. They're not removing them. They're just pausing them, abandoning vaccine passport plans and attempting to, quote, go back to normal, which is not even remotely what it was. It seems every week some new, quote, expert who spent the last two years predicting we're all going to die turns up on the news claiming we should, quote, treat COVID like the flu. Actually, on that note, I wanted to make sure I included this one. As well, a great article. I don't know if this was Kate as well. Yeah, also Kate Knightley. What they really mean by living with COVID, I'll just include that for you guys to read. It's a great, a great article as well, where that just shows you the same thing I think, where they're rolling this back, not because they're stopping, but because they want you to think they're stopping, essentially the point. But it says, it seems like every other week someone's doing that and saying, well, you know, you're all going to die. And then they're not dying. They're saying, well, let's just treat it like the flu. Oh, you mean like we were all saying in the beginning? Yeah, but we were censored for. Like, it's just so pathetic how obvious this is right now. Even as they seek to dump this pandemic in a shallow grave, they are already prepping the public for the next health scare, AIDS. Now, recognize that if they can get you all wrapped up in another like paralysis-inducing, fear-mongering idea, that all the people that might otherwise recognize how obvious it is right now might just get pushed into another fear situation. That's probably what they're banking on. In December, Joe Biden claimed, by the way, in December, remember all the other things we pointed to that are happening in before November, December. How in the world would they see this coming? Especially since the actual data shows you the opposite. <laughs> That's what's so frustrating. It's so clear that this was not happening, but they wanted you to think it was. The aim of his administration was to, quote, end the HIV AIDS epidemic by 2030. The epidemic? Like, they don't, you don't even mention this stuff anymore. And it's still been an epidemic this whole time? By 2030? Seriously? They're, they're rubbing this in your nose, I feel like. All the correlations with the timeframes in 2030, with the Great Reset, and everything, Agenda 2030, all of it. It's it, How can we not see that obvious point? A similar campaign launched in the UK at the, at the same exact time uses the exact phrasing word for word. Come on, guys. Build back better. Nope, I just, that was just a coincidence. What's the great reset? I've never heard of it, even though you're literally on the board, right? Oh yeah, we use the exact same phrasing at the exact same time before this starts. Total coincidence though. These people are desperate if they're making such obvious, ridiculous moves. It has to be. Then, just last week, it was suddenly reported that there was a new variant of HIV, which we just talked about, after this starts, after they use the same exact phrasing word for word. Yeah, what a coincidence. On the back of this news, a Guardian opinion piece claims we need a new strategy for dealing with AIDS. I wonder what that would be. Fresh wave of fear is a push for everyone to get AIDS tested as soon as possible, even from a prince of England. Prince Henry is leading the charge. Even while the problem and reaction are still barely out of the research and development stage, they're already talking about the solution. Exactly. They're rushing this. If you said another mRNA vaccine, well done for paying attention because we just showed you that's where this is going. It is truly startling coincidence. A truly startling coincidence. Moderna's HIV vaccine just happened to begin clinical trials the exact same day that the new variant of HIV hit the headlines. Think about that. This is getting pathetic. 
Now, look, these are correlations, and you could argue that that's just, you know, there's nothing to it. But with everything else we discussed today and how obviously they're hiding and lying about what's going on and how obviously the history is there and how obviously these are valid scientific questions, when you see something like that, the exact phrasing word for word, different countries, and on the exact day they announce a new variant, they begin the trials for the mRNA HIV injection, we need to see what's happening. But they finish. Anyway, everybody get ready to line up for eight shots. And I would argue testing, which is what they're pushing. Oh, and the cancer one as well. Because we already saw Moderna and everybody else say, well, we're shifting into cancer. It's a war on cancer now, didn't you hear? Yeah, that's happening too. It's pretty clear, guys, that something strange is going on. Please read this as well, because this is pretty obvious how they're trying to roll you into the next phase. Now, as I said at the beginning, there's a hell of a lot more that we could have gone deeper on, including, I mean, every one of these things, there's ties and connections to other studies. You know, I felt like this was the best I could do in regard to try, I mean, two, and four, two hours, 48 minutes. I bet you most people will still not watch it. But this is, I think it's undeniable that anybody with an honest perception who's willing to listen to these topics can stand back and go, yeah, there's something going on here. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure. But I think the obvious question about whether or not their treatment then, their treatment now is in fact exactly what is what we're dealing with, whether it's AIDS or VADES or just lymphocytopenia or any just a, a destroying your immune system with an experiment that they thought they were doing good with, which I don't buy. I believe this is an experiment and I believe what's happening is being framed in other ways. However you look at this, the evidence is unreal. There's an endless stream of evidence and all this and you saw an example right there at the end. I'm showing you the science peer-reviewed and otherwise, and they just simply say no reputable source says this. But wait a minute, that's the NIH National Library of Medicine. That's being posted by PhDs and scientists. So it just becomes, they just pretend that's the case. Stuff like that, they don't debunk, they don't retract, they just hide it in a corner and pretend like it's not there because they can't undermine their own people, right? I think it's obvious. And I think we need to recognize people from the beginning of this, like Dr. Mikovits and others that have been telling you regardless of the things that you should be questioning, and I do too about her past and whatever else, the reality here, that there's interesting correlations and interesting, this obviously ties in with the long-term agenda that's been called out by plenty of people long before COVID-19. And now, especially with the HIV tie and with where this is going, it just opened this Pandora's box, I think. And we need to stand back and recognize how flagrantly obvious this is. In their cover-ups, make it even more so. So I hope this reaches people. Please spread this more with anybody you can. It's going to be a tough one to clip out for those that might have to do that because it's all been one stretch. But thank you for being here and continuing to be objective and fight for the truth. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, 
have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. You just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.